It's finally time to start firing up the grill. From city to shore, Acme is everything you need to prep for this summer season. Download the Acme app, the shop for this season's essentials, any way you want. Open the Acme app, clip your deals, then order your items online. An experienced Acme associate will carefully select your groceries, bag your order, and bring it right to your car or deliver right to your door. Download the app or visit acmemarkets.com for program details. The development of full artificial intelligence was now the end of the human race. It's a flying object and we don't know what it is. I would hope somebody is checking it out. I'm glad the Pentagon is looking at this because if it poses a threat, I want them on top of it. Well, the craft generates its own gravitational field. The internet has become the command center for criminals and terrorists. That's that's what we're instructed to say. Roswell, Area 51, alien kept deep under the ground. Welcome to Troubled Minds Radio. I'm your host, Michael Strange, and hello to all of you who may also have troubled minds. What's going on, guys? It is a Wednesday night, which is one of the nights we get together and talk about all the things we're not allowed to talk about. We do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific. And what is it we're not allowed to talk about? Well, aliens, conspiracy, the paranormal. The government, academia, the 24-hour news cycle, propaganda, and the general feeling that we live in the upside down. As you know, well, uh, we do this live to include you because you are the secret weapon of troubled minds. This is a two-way conversation. If you're out there listening to me on a Wednesday night, I'd love to hear your thoughts on all the things that go through my ridiculous brain. And uh, we're going to get into ridiculous brains tonight because uh, cognition is an interesting thing. And is it limited to the brain itself? Well, <laughs> you, you 
you think flying spiders is hor- horrible and uh, uh, that idea of the, the uh, invasion of the flying spiders on the eastern seaboard, which we'll get to tonight as well? Well, wait till you hear about the cognition that happens outside of the body. <laughs> Whatever that means. All right, so that's what we're going to do tonight. That's what's on my mind. And uh, as usual, it's uh, it's odd. It's weird. It's off the beaten path. It's things considering the world that we live in without actually really, mm, I don't know, coming up with answers. I, I think that, uh, like I always say this, and this is extremely true with this entire thing, that not just this show, I think just uh, life in general. I think um, answers are, are always easy, right? Answers are are what propagandists bring you, right? They want to tell you, uh, do this or do that or vote for this guy or vote for that gal or do the, you know, do the thing or, you know, it's like, it's the call to action or whatever they call it, right? Like this is, that's what propaganda is. It's a, hey, you know, we want you to be this way. So here's the information, the answer that proves why you should be this way. Well, I see it a lot differently. I see the world as uh, more questions and more, uh, less answers, fewer answers. And, and even in, in, in the space of this idea that we live in this post-truth world, of course, you can find propaganda on both sides that, uh, you know, cite facts, right? And there's facts that support that and facts that support the exact opposite side. So exactly what the hell is a fact anymore anyway? I don't think it matters. Uh, and I mean that only because uh, it, it, when we're awash in propaganda, uh, the facts of the matter just become uh, less important than the questions you ask. And that's what this has always been about. It's about uh, getting together, discussing amazing things with you, and uh, just thinking about amazing things and trying to let our mind wander just a little bit. That's how it goes out to Jay in New York, my good buddy, from, um, Jay, that always says, hey, you know, it's nice to work a hard day, come home and, uh, you know, turn on trouble buying and just let your mind wander a little bit to consider all the possibilities. And that's what this has always been about. So as we do it and we get going tonight, uh, we are going to talk about cognition. And it's not going to be like you think it is. Um, Because, of course, we talk about consciousness. We talk about all kinds of things on this show. And we're going to get to that. We'll get to uh, cognition, consciousness, and some of these other things. And, of course flying spiders and their their webs you'll see you'll see how terrifying this actually is and if you're uh, if you're averse to spiders uh sorry <laughs> sorry sorry not sorry uh but uh we're, we're gonna we're gonna have the show tonight to creep you out but okay so as we get going there's there's the idea of what the show's always been about Love to hear your thoughts, and if you want to be part of it, uh, we have uh, we are streaming on Rockfin, YouTube, D Live, and Twitter, and of course we're broadcasting live on the Fringe FM. And you can join the show by dialing the phone number seven zero two nine five seven one zero three seven. That's seven zero two nine five seven one zero three seven. We'll put you on the show. It's as easy as that. You can also join the Discord at troubledminds.org, which means uh, uh, it's just the official website. And uh, the Discord link is there. The phone number is there. So if I read the phone number too fast for and you want to know what the phone number is, just go to troubledminds.org. That's the official website. Uh, since we are also streaming on the Fringe FM, we are watching all the discords, all the chats, and all the crazy places out there. Uh, again, Rockfin, YouTube, uh, uh, DLive, and Twitter, and of course, uh, the Fringe FM. So they have a, uh, for Fringe, there's also a Discord. Uh, join that Discord at fringe.fm slash chat. That will give you a direct invite. And I'm watching over there. What's up? Shout out to S Magician. I see you there. And <laughs> talking about spiders already spiders in florida and uh so so that's what's going on uh one one final thing please also download the fringe app you can find it on of course your uh, android or your um uh, apple uh app stores it's completely free and it's the easiest way to listen to troubled minds at 7 p.m pacific monday through thursday and uh you just smash the play button you get me 
little old me, you get uh, you and uh, the rest of the Troubled Minds family out there. So uh, there we go. All right. So let's let's do this. Now, this is one of those ones. Now, this it's funny how some of these show ideas sort of um, start weeks ago, literally weeks ago. We've I, I've had this uh, this one up my sleeve for quite some time. And like I was saying, when we started here, I uh, before we started, actually, I just didn't really want to do two spider shows kind of in a row. So this one's been uh, about six weeks spaced out from the last one. I think that's probably acceptable. But there was a lot of really interesting and uh, terrifying spider news. And then I stumbled across this particular other thing about thinking webs. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. So hold on. Let's uh, Let's start here. Let's back up. Let's start here. Now, everybody saw this. This was the one that got all the headlines and everybody was freaking out about the spiders and the, uh, you know, these Joro spiders, as they're known, right? And uh, they, they're invading. Uh, it's an invasive species from, uh, from the, uh, let's say, uh, the southeast, uh, you know, Japan, China, somewhere in that range. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll read a little bit about this. So they're actually, uh, not, they started in Georgia, they say, and they're actually invading the entire eastern seaboard and i'll explain to you why and very uh, why it's happening so quickly but here we go this is from futurism.com and uh there you go adonis says uh, be gentle mike all right well just uh just put your nightmare boots on because if you don't like spiders we're going to do some nightmare boots uh, tonight. Here we go. Experts say that those giant spiders falling from the sky are good actually <laughs> All right. So there you go. I'm going to just let that sink in for a second. And um, yeah, uh, that is correct. Giant spiders falling from the sky. <laughs> falling from the sky. All right. Uh, but, well, but I mean, they're good. They're actually good. You know, this is a good thing. Uh, quote, they are docile, non-threatening, and actually very polite. There you go. That one's for Adana out there who's a spider averse. Uh, but check this out. This, is, <laughs> this, gets, this gets even more wild. Here we go. Uh, so after news broke that the giant blue, black, and yellow arachnids known as the Joro spider are soon to parachute their way onto the East Coast. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's exactly what it says. Uh, people understandably freaked out. But according to science communicator and aspiring arachnologist T. Francis, everyone needs to calm down. You hear that? that just calm down, guys. Everybody calm down. Until I drop the rest of this on you, then then freak out. <laughs> totally freak out. Here we go. Golden orb weavers like the Joro spider do originate in East Asia, uh, Francis wrote in a Twitter thread, but have already been in the United States for decades. And the Joro spider specifically has been in Georgia and North Carolina since around 2013. Additionally, the Americas also have their own indigenous orb weavers called Trichonophilia. Clavipsis, yeah, right? How come they can't make these scientific names just easy to say? This is ridiculous. In any case, that's what they're called, uh, if, if you can pronounce that, uh, which are more commonly known as golden silk orb weavers. See, that's easy to say. We could do that. And now live everywhere from the southeastern U.S. to Argentina. All right, there's your spiders, okay? Uh, so, not only is this type of spider common in North America, Francis wrote, but they're also quite harmless. There you go. This one's, that's for you, Adana. These spiders are harmless, all right? 
But there's there's another terrifying thing we'll get to. Like I said, it's coming. Don't worry. Uh, so they're harmless and significantly significantly won't be full grown when they float down to Earth from the skies. Okay, so so this is all true. This is all true. This is uh, an invasive species from again the uh, China, Japan, somewhere in that range, and they are actually. They say they they stow on boats, and that's how they get uh, brought over. And uh, they've been in the United States for a long time. They say since 2013. Okay, so so but they are actually flying spiders, and so the the term flying spider is actually um, accurate. It's actually accurate because they're uh, they kind of float in their webs, right? They'll spin their webs, hop on the webs, and then just kind of jump into the wind and then float. I'm sure you guys have seen a flying spider before, right? You guys have seen these things kind of uh, stick into their webs and doing their thing and floating down from trees or whatever. I've seen them before. And that's, you know, that's in California. So it's not that out of the ordinary. And of course, they do it when they're tiny, okay? Because they're little babies, they, you know, very light mass. They can, the wind gets, uh, grabs the web and just takes it and takes them to where they're going to live, right? And well, sometimes where they live is your house. <laughs> anyway, so uh so they're not they are really large spiders, but they don't float they don't float around on parachutes full grown. They do that as babies, okay? Just so you know. So the the giant spiders floating down on, you know, quote parachutes are actually Hmm, a little less terrifying than you think. Because if you look at the the photographs of these things, these Joro spiders, they look they look kind of they they look kind of terrifying. It's it's definitely one of those ones where if you didn't know it was harmless, you would be like, uh, <laughs> do, do something about that. Do something about that. It's looking at me, right? It would be one of those. So uh, if you, if you want to check it out, just look up a Joro spider, J O R O, and you'll see um, that there's a whole bunch of just um, yeah. Uh, um, really, really horrific pictures of this thing that really look um, like it's like it's a monster. I mean, it's like like a spider monster. It's it's pretty uh, pretty terrifying. It's got these bright colors. It's got yellow and some reds in it, and, and it's just yeah. Anyway, so so there we go. So that the idea they're not gonna they're not gonna have these giant spiders the size of your hands floating down from the heavens. So don't worry about that. That's not happening. They do get big. They do get pretty big, but they are. Harmless to people. Again, they say they're um, sort of neutral to the environment. They're not really changing um, the uh, what would you call it? The you know the 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 uh, as an invasive species anyway. They're not kind of like uh, destroying like habitats of other spiders or other you know. They seem to be just chill, chill spiders. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Ronald says they get to be about the size of a Volkswagen. <laughs> no, no, not not quite that big. Not not quite that big. But okay. So anyway. So that's what, okay. So so as we get going tonight, number one, did you hear about these giant spiders falling from the sky? It did hit. It did hit the news cycles about two three weeks ago, and everybody was a little bit up in arms about it, and they were talking about it in you know some of these other paranormal shows and whatnot. And I think in terms of spiders, right? It's it's back to that whole great thing about arachnophobia, right? How come? Like we've talked about, uh, sort of. Uh, the idea that we have this DNA memory, right? That uh, we, we remember, even though we don't really know why we're afraid of spiders, we are afraid of spiders, okay? But, uh, so there's the DNA memory part, but then there's also some other weirdness to these spiders and what I'm calling their smart webs. 
which we'll get to in a little bit. So we've got a few questions tonight, right? Regarding spiders. Uh, and again, you know, uh, some people say, hey, you know, spiders are great. They're fine. They eat the bugs, you know, they kill the mosquitoes or whatever. They do these things. That's good. That's good for me. You know, we like spiders in the house, you know. Or other people are like, oh, hell no, get this thing out of here. <laughs> it's looking at me. It's got beady eyes. And no, I'm not doing the spider, right? No, we're not doing spiders here. So why, why do you think that is? Again, we, we talked about this in the past show. But then also, what about, uh, I was looking at some of the folklore mythologies. I, I love I love kind of digging into some of these old, old, old stories. And going back to, uh, I found, uh, of course, in Greek mythology, the very first spider. So we're going to talk about that tonight. But the question is this, all right, as we get going. So did you know about these uh, these giant spiders floating down from the sky as this invasive species known as the Joro spider? And it they, they began in Georgia or somewhere in that range, South Carolina, North Carolina. And they, uh, they've been there for a while. Uh, but now they seem to be sort of just spreading all over the place via that same mechanism of little babies, right, by the thousands, jumping into these webs and just floating through the air <laughs> to land wherever they land. And uh, that's that's where this begins, okay? So the first question is, did you hear about this? Why do you think we have this gigantic aversion to spiders? And the third thing we're going to get to in just a little bit is, do you think it's possible that the spider webs themselves have a brain, or let's say are part of the spider's cognition process, meaning that it's thought process. It's, well, what would you say? Uh, there's, a, there's a term for this. The embodied cognition of the spider itself is not just within its body, but its cognition. And I don't know, what does this mean for consciousness and all the rest of these things? But but a embodied cognition means that the intelligence of the spider itself can actually be delegated into the web to do the bidding of the spider. Have you heard of this? Is this terrifying? And those are the questions tonight. And we're going to get going on a bunch of that. But as always, I'd love to hear from you if you want to be part of the show. 702-957-1037. That's 702-957-1037. I get that you're like, what are you talking about, Mike? That sounds insane. Don't worry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch us up. Okay, where are we at? Time-wise, okay, everything's good. All right, so this Joro spider again, like I said, they're harmless. Don't worry about it. It's not really that big a deal. Let's read just a little bit more of this, and then we'll keep on trucking. Um, it says, uh, here we go. Uh, this is from, uh, let's see. Uh, not only is this type of spider common in North America, Francis wrote, but they're also quite harmless and significantly won't be full grown when they float down to earth from the skies. Like I said, they will be little babies. Uh, but because of the parachuting, these spiders do as hatchlings, hatchlings, uh, can I say it, which is not an uncommon mechanism and was even seen in the popular children's book, Charlotte's Web. Ah, see? Ah, spiders can be cute. Media have glommed onto the story as if it was a real-life version of the 1990 cult classic, Arachnophobia. Now, that movie, Arachnophobia, I'm not sure I would call a cult classic, <laughs> but uh, anyway, I digress. Uh, here we go. Uh, the, the scientist here says, having worked with several types of this species personally, I can tell you firsthand that they are docile, non-threatening, and actually very polite, the science communicator wrote. The worst that's likely to happen is... Uh, to you is you walk into a web you didn't see uh, in time and really whose fault is that <laughs> no that, that's fine just walk into a web you didn't see i'm sure that's totally fine uh, and here's the crazy part right this is this is why this kind of made the news and has been going around recently in the last several weeks like i said uh, quote yes their range is expanding 
but they are already very similar spiders present in these areas anyway, Francis wrote, adding that the big ones don't float about on uh, and land on people at random. So there you go, Adana. You're safe. You're safe. You're not going to have these big spiders floating around and landing on people randomly. Well, just the babies. <laughs> just the babies. <laughs> anyway, and most importantly, even though they do have some venom in their small fangs, which the science communicator noted, most spiders have... Uh, the same thing. They're not these. They're, these ones aren't dangerous. They're not dangerous to humans. Uh, they try and get out of our way. They don't want to be. They don't want to be part of us. They want to do their thing. They want to do spider things. They don't want to be people things. But if you look, if you're watching the stream, you see what a Juro spider looks like, and you get the or the reds and the yellows and the blacks, and this thing is huge and it is horrifying. <laughs> it's one of those spiders that you look at and you're like. Mm, Nope, nope, <laughs> no thanks. Uh, so, so there you go. All right. So again, uh, these these spiders. If you find them, the Joro spider is completely harmless. So there's absolutely no reason to freak out. And uh, well, you know, unless you get one landing on you. So there you go. So that's where we begin tonight. Now, let me get to this idea. I'm just going to tease this just a, just a smidge, and we'll, we'll we'll do this as we go. So we're talking about again as not just spiders as this invasion of spiders. And, and I have to say it. I, I'm sorry, but I have to say it. This invasion of giant flying spiders on the East Coast, because <laughs> it's happening. Um, yes, and I have to put it in those terms, because, well, if that doesn't give you nightmares, I'm not sure what will. But uh, then this idea about their thinking webs. Let me uh, just do this real quick. And this is from uh, GetPocket.com. And we'll talk about this more as we go. But here's where this gets not just let's say interesting, but also gets a little more creepy if you're not into spiders. Here you go. The thoughts of a spider web. Spiders appear to offload cognitive tasks to their webs, making them one of a number of species with a mind that isn't fully confined within the head. All right, we'll just leave it at that. What are your thoughts? <laughs> uh, hey, look, and, and by the way, are your thoughts fully confined within your own head? And so I think in terms of this, we'll get to this tonight. And again, this is called uh, this. This thing is called embodied cognition or it's called the extended mind thesis. They're not exactly the, the exact same thing. They're similar, but it's this idea that us and our brain is sort of the central computer of this conscious thought, this conscious actions, but everything around us, it can also be somehow, some way part of that conscious thought, right? Meaning that, uh, let's say, for instance, in this case, a spider and its web. So it's not really describing the spider web as in particularly smart or even sentient for that matter. But it means that the spider somehow, some way has sort of this symbiosis with its web that really it's um, it, it back back to that whole idea of, you know, like a brand new baby spider shouldn't know how to like make a perfect web, but they do. And they and they they make a perfect web, and it's like they've never seen one made and, you know, they, the rest of this stuff. But they do. They just they pop up and they spin the web and float in the air. And whenever they land, they just make the perfect spider web that'll catch dinner, right? Well, then they started fishing. They started fishing with their web and then dropping these actual like spider uh, webbed lines down into the ground, uh, just as dangling like curtains, right? 
And when crickets would pass by underneath, they would get grabbed by these things. They'd get stuck. And so the spiders learned to fish, and they would pull up the crickets into the web itself. And so this got the idea thinking of these scientists. It's like, wait a minute. So where did they learn to do this? Was this a situation where, yeah, maybe we're talking about thinking spider webs, somehow, some way, where this cognition was locked into the spider itself and this bizarre symbiosis with the web. So, what are your thoughts if you have, well, and are your thoughts your own, I guess. So, what does it mean for consciousness? What does it mean for people? What does it mean for all these things? I think there's a whole lot of uh, questions here to talk about, a whole lot of things to consider because, well, why not? Spiders, thinking webs, attack of the flying spiders on the East Coast. I live on the West Coast, by the way, so no attack of the flying spiders over here. What are your thoughts? 702-957-1037. That's 702-957-1037. We'll put you on the show. What do you know about this attack of the flying spiders on the East Coast? And have you ever heard of thinking webs? Love to hear your thoughts. One more time, 702-957-1037. This is Troubled Minds. I'm Michael Strange. Don't go anywhere. More spiders, invasions, and thinking webs when we return. Be right back. time to start firing up the grill from city to shore acme is everything you need to prep for this summer season download the acme app the shop for this season's essentials any way you want open the acme app clip your deals then order your items online an experienced acme associate will carefully select your groceries bag your order and bring it right to your car or deliver right to your door download the app or visit acmemarkets.com for program details It's finally time to start firing up the grill. From city to shore, Acme is everything you need to prep for this summer season. Download the Acme app, the shop for this season's essentials, any way you want. Open the Acme app, clip your deals, then order your items online. An experienced Acme associate will carefully select your groceries, bag your order, and bring it right to your car or deliver right to your door. Download the app or visit acmemarkets.com for program details. It's finally time to start firing up the grill. From city to shore, Acme is everything you need to prep for this summer season. Download the Acme app, the shop for this season's essentials, any way you want. Open the Acme app, clip your deals, then order your items online. An experienced Acme associate will carefully select your groceries, bag your order, and bring it right to your car or deliver right to your door. Download the app or visit acmemarkets.com for program details. Welcome back to Troubled Minds. I'm your host, Michael Strange, and we are streaming on Rockfin, YouTube, DLive, and Twitter. And we are broadcasting live on the Fringe FM. Tonight, we're talking about giant flying spiders that are invading the East Coast. And not only that... We're talking about the idea that maybe their cognitive ability 
extends out beyond their own mind and possibly into their spider web itself. Well, if that's not terrifying, you not only can use this spider web as a parachute to float and uh, come down wherever it is you think you should land and live. Well, what about the idea that these spider webs themselves are actually not sentient, let's say, but part of the cognitive ability of the spider itself. So that's what's on my mind tonight. We're going to take it a little bit slow, but so so a couple ideas here, all right, as we get going. And like I said, love to hear your thoughts on this, 702-957-1037. Click the Discord link, troubleminds.org. Uh, is, so a few ideas with this, okay? So if that's the case, and there's this this idea known as, let's do this, it's called the embodied cognition okay and what it means is that as sentient sentient beings we are not just the product of a thinking mind we're also the product of an entirely thinking body and what that means is that uh, we can not only uh, have the brain as a central computer here as we start to think in terms of you know the everything comes from the brain maybe just as this sort of a central nervous system sort of aspect but we've talked about in the past how those neurons in the gut, there's neurons in different place in the body that also, right, uh, sort of like your gut has a digestive system that, you know, you know when you've eaten something bad because your stomach immediately tells you. And so there's like uh, thinking, cognition going on in the gut as well. So, so what's going on with that? And so if we're talking about not just like a thinking organism in terms of the brain, the brain body, this whole bit, right? But what about the thinking body itself? And then what happens when that embodied cognition actually steps outside of the body into the environment around it? And that's what we're talking about tonight. And the craziest part about this is you can think of it in terms of, um, well, uh, sort of, Maybe, you know, we talk about consciousness and what does it mean? How do we even quantify it and all the rest of these things? But if we can somehow, some way, use that consciousness as, uh, and maybe consider it as maybe a bubble around us, that uh, the, the things around us, let's say the tree that happens to be right there, let's say you're standing next to a tree, is that uh, the tree becomes part of that bubble of consciousness. You see what I'm saying? So that's not exactly what they're describing here as this embodied cognition. However, it does sort of get me thinking in terms of a lot of this, right? A lot of this idea of, mm, well, uh, what does that mean for the spider's web? And so not only are they using it as a parachute to, again, uh, uh, <laughs> giant spiders falling from the sky on the East Coast, which, again, is not actually happening. That's, that's a clickbait false headline because they are they do float and uh, they, do, uh, they are spreading super rapidly on the East Coast because they just take to the wind as babies, as hatchlings. They just um, pop in a little bit of a web and just jump off the tree and float right down to your house or wherever it is they're going to live. And again, these, these Joro spiders, as they're known, are not dangerous. Okay, these are not dangerous spiders. So if you live in that neck of the woods and you're like, oh, geez, this is coming. Don't worry. It's not as bad as it seems. <laughs> so so what are your thoughts on this? Let's let's talk about the so we'll talk about the Joro spider a little bit. I got some uh, some I went back to into Greek mythology to find yeah, the the actual myth of the first spider. So let's do that. We're not going to get any ideas right now about this idea of the cognitive uh, sort of these this embodied cognition of the spider web or the 
uh, extended mind thesis. I got this. And this is, again, uh, so let's, like I said, let's, uh, let's make sure we pack this in with some good information if you guys have never heard this. And let's do this. Let's go to, uh, this, is, this is actually the story of Arachne. And this was an old Greek uh, myth and uh, the story of the very first spider. So uh, I got a few clips here. Let's play this. It's not super long, but I want to just make sure that we pack it with not just uh, some uh, scary spiders falling from the sky, but uh, how about the idea of the very first spider according to Greek mythology? So let's let's play a little bit of this. Again, looking to hear from you if you want to be part of this discussion tonight. We're talking about these giant spiders falling from the sky. And not only that... They're thinking webs. One more time. 702-957-1037. Let's hear this. Not among mortals alone were there contests of skill, nor yet among the gods like Pan and Apollo. Many sorrows befell men because they grew arrogant in their own devices and coveted divine honors. There was once a great hunter, Orion, who outvied the gods themselves till they took him away from his hunting grounds and set him in the heavens with his sword and belt and his hound at his heels. But at length jealousy invaded even the peaceful arts, and disaster came of spinning. There was a certain maiden of Lydia, Arachne by name, renowned throughout the country for her skill as a weaver. She was as nimble with her fingers as Calypso, that nymph who kept Odysseus for seven years in her enchanted island. She was as untiring as Penelope, the hero's wife, who wove day after day while she watched for his return. Day in and day out, Arachne wove too. The very nymphs would gather about her loom, naiads from the water and dryads from the trees. Maiden, they would say, shaking the leaves or the foam from their hair in wonder, Pallas Athena must have taught you. Ah, the famous Arachne. Arachne, right, of uh, uh, ancient Greek mythology. And this is the story of the very first spider. And of course, right, you would expect the very first spider to what? Be maybe human? Well, in this case, that's actually the case. And so we have the story of Arachne. And Arachne was uh, the one of the most, uh, again, efficient and beautiful uh, weavers of all time, ever, right? Even to the point where uh, she was uh, weaving things that were, mm, let's say, challenging the... Uh, the handiwork of the gods themselves, all right? Very, very, very talented weaver, all right? That's part one. That's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about spiders, this uh, attack of the flying spiders and their thinking webs. And yeah, there's a thing. We'll get to that as well tonight. Like I said, uh, we're just going to take this nice and slow and make sure we, t- we pack in some spider mythology and all the rest of this. But as always, looking to hear your thoughts. Why arachnophobia? Why spiders? Why do they give you that creepy, creepy? Why do they have what is known as a thinking web? And uh, there we go. So the story of Arachne begins there. Okay. So we got a couple more clips. Let's play that. And uh, looking to hear from you, 702-957-1037. What's your idea about spiders? And let's hear the rest of this. There's just just four total clips. It's super short. Bear with me. Just a moment, please. But this did not please Arachne. She would not acknowledge herself a debtor, even to that goddess who protected all household arts and by whose grace alone one had any skill in them. I learned not of Athena, said she. If she can weave better, let her come and try. The nymphs shivered at this, and an aged woman who was looking on turned to Arachne. Be more heedful of your words, my daughter, said she. The goddess may pardon you if you ask forgiveness, but do not strive for honors with the immortals. Arachne broke her thread and the shuttle stopped humming. Keep your counsel, she said. I fear not Athena, no, nor anyone else. 
As she frowned at the old woman, she was amazed to see her change suddenly into one tall, majestic, beautiful, a maiden of gray eyes and golden hair crowned with a golden helmet. It was Athena herself. The bystanders shrank in fear and reverence. Only Arachne was unawed and held to her foolish boast. Uh, as you should be, right? If uh, if you're boasting to the gods and uh, describing your your level of uh, capability about anything, and said God him or herself appears before you, why back down now? <laughs> you got yourself here, so let's roll with it. So, of course, Athena is the goddess of wisdom, okay? And uh, it, as, as a result, uh, is able to do anything, uh, even uh, anything any human can do, because the wisdom comes from Athena herself. But this Arachne, right, was such a weaver of renown that, well, maybe, just maybe, she was such a natural and so good at this that she could challenge the mighty goddess Athena. So here we go. Let's play a little bit more of this, and then we'll keep on trucking. Part three. There's only part four parts to this, and this is the story of Arachne. That's right, the very first spider, according to Greek mythology. In silence, the two began to weave, and the nymphs stole nearer, coaxed by the sound of the shuttles that seemed to be humming with delight over the two webs, back and forth like bees. They gazed upon the loom where the goddess stood plying her task, and they saw shapes and images come to bloom out of the wondrous colors, as sunset clouds grow to be living creatures when we watch them. And they saw that the goddess, still merciful, was spinning as a warning for Arachne the pictures of her own triumph over reckless gods and mortals. In one corner of the web, she made a story of her conquest over the sea god Poseidon. For the first king of Athens had promised to dedicate the city to that god who should bestow upon it the most useful gift. Poseidon gave the horse, but Athena gave the olive, means of livelihood, symbol of peace and prosperity, and the city was called after her name. Again, she pictured a vain woman of Troy who had been turned into a crane for disputing the palm of beauty with a goddess. Other corners of the web held similar images, and the whole shone like a rainbow. Okay, so we've got this, the, they're weaving these gigantic webs now. And not only that, they're weaving these stories into the web itself. Pictures, tales of, of, of kings of old, this type of thing going on, right? It's like, uh, it's like, the, it's like the, the best or the worst dance-off you've ever seen. And these, these, uh, these, these two weavers, Athena and Arachne, are going at it. And they're weaving things people have never seen before in the history of the world. And how do you think it ends? Well, so before we before we actually get there, let's do a little bit of a uh, a tenter hooks moment. How do you think it does end? So there's number one. Number two, I want to point out that, that this actually came from, and this is in the public domain, by the way. So <laughs> I'm not actually ripping anything off, but this is from uh, LibriVox, L I B R I V O X, and I, I I pulled this out of the uh, the Trouble Minds quiver from time to time because it, it's it's pretty brilliant in that um, they've got some uh, different narration narrators here. Uh, you can actually volunteer and do narrations on this. And uh, it, it's all public domain stuff. It's all very, very old stories, and it's just sort of uh, brought back to life through this uh, through this idea of uh, narration and just sort of reading these old tales. So if uh, if reading's not your thing and you like listening to things like podcasts and whatnot, this is a fantastic resource if you want to check it out. It's called LibriVox L I B R I V O X dot org. It's got everything. It's got uh, it's got some old Lovecraft on there. It's got uh, all kinds of stuff. And so do check it out if you're into like uh, the old ancient mythologies. 
they've got him. They've definitely got him. So, all right. So we're still talking about this tonight. They leave you on tenterhooks for what happened to Arachne and her uh, weave off with the goddess Athena. Uh, well, but what about this idea of thinking webs? Okay. So now look at, look at this in terms of now maybe we have the goddess Athena uh, doing her thing and weaving against Arachne. All right. Back in the, the actual uh, Greek mythology here. But if we're talking about weaving webs with pictures and stories and things like this in it, and then you look at this idea of this thinking web and this idea of, uh, let's see, what's it called? One more time. It's called embodied cognition. So what's going on here? And it gets me thinking in terms of like we did Indra's web last time when we talked about this, uh, the spider stuff a little bit. But what about in terms of if you can weave tales of renown into a web itself? What's going on with that? meaning in terms of like a greater consciousness, right? And I think that uh, part of what we're talking about here and part of what we're looking at becomes magical, becomes magic, becomes, I don't know, what happens when you create something with your own hands out of your own mind? And let's say you just take an old piece of wood and you carve it into, oh, I don't know, let's say a replica of the Trojan horse. So that would be your mind's representation of a particular thing, right? So without it, it's just a piece of wood. You see what I'm saying? You've sort of breathed life into that old piece of wood. Well, that's what they're doing here with these webs. And so as it gets down to the nitty gritty, right, uh, we've got uh, Arachne actually challenging and holding her own against the goddess of wisdom, Athena, back in Greek mythology. And this is how it ends. Looking to hear your thoughts on this, the idea of a thinking web. 702-957-1037. Let's go to part four. Meanwhile, Arachne, whose head was quite turned with vanity, embroidered her web with stories against the gods, making light of Zeus himself and of Apollo, and portraying them as birds and beasts. But she wove with marvelous skill. The creatures seemed to breathe and speak, Yet it was all as fine as the gossamer that you find on the grass before rain. Athena herself was amazed. Not even her wrath at the girl's insolence could wholly overcome her wonder. For an instant she stood entranced. Then she tore the web across, and three times she touched Arachne's forehead with her spindle. Live on, Arachne, she said, and since it is your glory to weave, you and yours must weave forever." So saying, she sprinkled upon the maiden a certain magical potion. Away went Arachne's beauty. Then her very human form shrank to that of a spider, and so remained. As a spider, she spent all her days weaving and weaving. And you may see something like her handiwork any day among the rafters. End of Arachne by Josephine Preston Peabody Recorded by Colleen McMahon Okay, uh, I thought it was important to leave that last bit, and I could have trimmed it, but uh, great narration by that uh, that individual. That's It's all volunteer stuff to LibriVox. So if you guys are into those old stories that uh, you kind of don't want to dig out an old dusty book and read, they have nice little briefs exactly like that with uh, with arachnophobia and things like this. What's up? I see a crystal shaman. I have arachnophobia. So arachne it was the actual name of this individual, and this was the first spider. And so, of course, uh, this spider, uh, the, the challenge happened, and arachne herself challenged the goddess Athena and actually amazed Athena at her skill. And so what did she do? She got turned into a spider by 
Athena. So there you go. That's a we we've talked about the uh, the ideas we talked about uh, the last time we did the spider show again about six weeks ago. We talked about the uh, Nancy that spider and how they were sort of uh, uh, locking up the stories in the heavens and the spider head and Nancy, which again is sort of a, a Caribbean or a West African tradition. And Nancy the spider was able to climb uh, up to the heavens and unlock all the stories, all the stories to be told. And so interesting how a lot of these uh, a lot of these mythologies are. Well, uh, regarding the first spider, anyway, are pretty pretty fascinating. So let's get back to this idea of uh, it's called um, embodied cognition. And so check this out. This is from uh, an article by let's see, let's see, hold on. This is again so getpocket.com, the thoughts of a spider web. I'm going to read just a little bit of this. Check this out. Uh, so uh, da da da. Um, so uh, da da da. Okay, in 2008, researcher Hilton Japaisu. Prompted 12 species of orb spiders collected from all over Brazil to go through this transition again. He waited until the spiders wove an ordinary web. Then he snipped its threads so that the silk drooped to where crickets wandered below. Now, he did this manually. When a cricket got hooked, not all the orb spiders could fully pull it up, as a cobweb spider does. But some could. And all at least began to reel it in with their two front legs. Uh, their ability to re- recapitulate uh, is the ancient spider's innovation got Japasu, a biologist at the Federal University of Bahia in Brazil, thinking when the spider was confronted with a problem to solve that it might not have seen before, how did it figure out what to do? Quote, where is the information? He said, where is it? Is it in her head? Or does this information emerge during the interaction with the altered web? You hear what we're saying here? (laughs) Uh, Here we go. So uh, among philosophers of mind, the idea racked up citations, including supporters and critics. And by its very design, Ajapa Su's paper, which aims to export extended cognition as a testable idea to the field of animal behavior, is already stirring up antibodies among scientists. Quote, I got the impression that it was being very careful to check all the boxes for hot topics and controversial topics in animal cognition, said Alex Jordan, a collective behavioral scientist at the Max Planck Institute in Konstanz, Germany, uh, who does support the idea, by the way. While many disagree with the paper's interpretations, the study shouldn't be confused for a piece of philosophy. You see what's going on here? Uh, Japasu and Leyland proposed ways to test their ideas in concrete experiments that involve manipulating the spider's web. Tests that other researchers are excited about. Quote, we can break that machine. We can snap strands. We can reduce the way that animal is able to perceive the system around it, Jordan said. And that generates some very direct and testable hypotheses. And uh, it gets into some other stuff with uh, the octopus as well. But this is a, a pretty creepy idea that not only so we have this symbiosis with these, the, the spider does weave the web clearly and obviously, but then also that there's some way here for uh, sort of a, a symbiotic relationship with the web and the cognition of the spider itself. You know what I'm saying? See what I'm getting at, that these webs are actually smart in some way. And in in those terms, right, when you start looking at spiders and how they are and how creepy they are, uh, then you suddenly have this idea that, okay, what if their spider webs are actually an extension of their consciousness, 
All right. Okay. Uh, there we go. There's, there's, there, there's the gauntlet has been thrown down. So uh, number one, what is consciousness? Number two, do spiders have a consciousness? And what happens when you start to have this consciousness maybe extended outside of your own self? Hmm. The plot thickens. So I don't know. I think there's a uh, pretty crazy stuff here. So again, this idea, you can, you can look it up. It's called uh, embodied cognition. And this is what it is. It's the theory that many features of cognition, whether human or otherwise, are shaped by aspects of the entire body of the organism. The features of cognition include high level mental constructs and performance on various cognitive tasks. The aspects of the body include the motor system, the perceptual system, bodily interactions with the environment, and the assumptions about the world that are built into the structure of the organism. And interesting that when I was reading some of this stuff, I was like, okay, now, so doesn't this seem quite a lot like Maybe this is built into a matrix of sorts. Maybe that this idea that not only is our consciousness embedded within us or these ideas of cognition and that a spider's web may have its own version of cognition that's sort of a, an extension of the spider's uh, maybe mind here. I think that uh, it starts to, I don't know, does it scream simulation theory to you? Does it scream that our, our brains are, again, like we talked about last night with that reverse speech, which was a ton of fun by the way, that, uh, that there's something to our brains that we really have no idea what the hell's going on here. And I think that's the craziest part is that, okay, if you're talking about consciousness in terms of what it may or may not be, well, then we're talking about these non-sentient things as being part of cognition. And even to another degree, I'm adding this second degree, the consciousness of the spider itself. So what do you think about that? It seems uh, <laughs> Crabapple says, I like spiders, but have killed a couple humongous ones. Yeah, right? And so that's the thing. So not only are we talking about spiders tonight, we're talking about flying spiders. We're talking about an invasion of flying spiders on the East Coast. And then not only that, this idea that their webs may be an extension of their thought process and also, by design, possibly their consciousness. You tell me. I have no idea. This seemed, when I first found this, I was like, no way, really? Like, how is this a thing? But then I guess when you think about it more and more, just because we're conscious in our own body, our own shell, our own golem, clay, homunculus, whatever you want to call the meat suit, right? I think in those terms, I think it's not so difficult to really wonder that uh, there's, there's a consciousness maybe around us, maybe the consciousness bubble, something to that effect. But I don't know. Apparently, the spiders are doing it. And so you tell me, you tell me, love to hear your thoughts on this. We're talking about attack of the flying spiders. And of course, they're thinking webs, which seems ridiculous at first. But the more you get into this, the more it seems to track. Love to hear your thoughts. If you want to be part of the show tonight, 702-957-1037. That's 702-957-1037. What about the first spider? What about Arachne weaving against Athena? What about these flying spiders invading the East Coast? And of course, what about their thinking spider webs? Boy, oh boy. Like I said, it seems ridiculous, but it seems to track. 702-957-1037. That's 702-957-1037. This is Troubled Minds. I'm Michael Strange. Don't go anywhere. More Attack of the Flying Spiders, their thinking webs, and your calls when we return. Be right back. 
finally time to start firing up the grill. From city to shore, Acme is everything you need to prep for this summer season. Download the Acme app, the shop for this season's essentials, any way you want. Open the Acme app, clip your deals, then order your items online. An experienced Acme associate will carefully select your groceries, bag your order, and bring it right to your car or deliver right to your door. Download the app or visit acmemarkets.com for program details. It's finally time to start firing up the grill. From city to shore, Acme is everything you need to prep for this summer season. Download the Acme app, the shop for this season's essentials, any way you want. Open the Acme app, clip your deals, then order your items online. An experienced Acme associate will carefully select your groceries, bag your order, and bring it right to your car or deliver right to your door. Download the app or visit acmemarkets.com for program details. It's finally time to start firing up the grill. From city to shore, Acme is everything you need to prep for this summer season. Download the Acme app, the shop for this season's essentials, any way you want. Open the Acme app, clip your deals, then order your items online. An experienced Acme associate will carefully select your groceries, bag your order, and bring it right to your car or deliver right to your door. Download the app or visit acmemarkets.com for program details. We are talking about alien, the alien abduction phenomenon. The aliens are, are looking through your eyes and they're accessing your optic nerve. I'm doing this. Through that optic nerve, they're transferring to your brain. Receiving memories, or ideas, or images. Broadcasting live from a secret bunker just off the extraterrestrial highway. Somewhere desert sands outside of Las Vegas. From somewhere in space-time, loosely labeled Generation X on planet Earth. And asking questions of you in earnest. Into the digital Good evening and welcome to Troubled Minds Radio. I'm your host, Michael Strange, and hello to all of you who may also have troubled minds. What's going on, guys? It's Wednesday night, which is one of the nights we get together and talk about all the things we're not allowed to talk about. That's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific time. What are those things, you may wonder? I'll have to sum up because there's way too many. Aliens, conspiracy, the paranormal, the government, academia, the 24-hour news cycle, propaganda, and the general feeling that we live in the upside down. We, have, we are, of course, streaming on Rockfin, YouTube, DLive, and Twitter. We're broadcasting live on the Fringe FM, and we're taking your phone calls, as always. As we discuss this idea, you got it. 
not just the invasion of the giant flying spiders of the East Coast, but this other idea of how they have cognition in their spider web itself, meaning part of their sort of overall consciousness is included in the web, and they're doing tests on this scientifically that suggest maybe, just maybe, there's a reciprocal sort of cognition that's happening with the spider and its and the web itself. And so uh, if that doesn't freak you out in, in terms of uh, thinking webs, I'm not sure what does. And it kind of kicks me off in a different, a lot of different areas here of things to think about, things to talk about. And first and foremost, of course, would be that idea of like a larger consciousness and uh, that maybe our consciousness is not maybe built within us, but in maybe a bubble around us. You see what I'm saying? And if that's the case and you can actually uh, maybe tap into the consciousness of other maybe even entities that are not let's say physical entities that are not maybe even conscious themselves as we would describe them maybe the chair or maybe things like this right Uh, it it could be i don't know an interesting thought here and the second thing that got me thinking in terms of was again the digital background here if you guys are watching on the stream what about the idea of a cognitive internet right because of course this is the world wide web is it not streaming on the interwebs and doing our thing and well what if the idea branches out further than just consciousness spider webs but what if it becomes a digital thing love to hear your thoughts 702-957-1037 that's 702-957-1037 we'll put you on the show like i said we're streaming on rockfin youtube d live and twitter broadcasting live on the fringe fm and uh, we are taking your phone calls let's go to my good friend james of salcedo paranormal welcome to troubled minds how are you sir I'm good. Um, great topic here. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, a little bit strange, right? It, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around a thinking spider web. Okay. And this idea again is called, uh, it's, uh, embodied cognition. I don't know. Does that creep you out, James? Not really. Just because of what you were saying earlier about, do we have this, this bubble of consciousness around us? It made me think of how, in some some cases, well, there's basically this, and I forget the name of it now, but there are people that are sensitive enough to pick up on energy that we leave on objects around us, to where it's almost like people, uh, you can pick up images or memories or sounds that are from these pe- these different people on objects that they they used a lot or that they were really important to them like rings or any number of things i mean that even gets back to in a way the idea of of objects being not even haunted because it's like a negative term but having some part of the owner's energy or essence attached to them even when they're not anywhere near it yeah, right. So so it kind of sort of slips this into that paranormal realm a little bit, right? I mean, it was like an organic thing created from their own body. So it makes you wonder if there is some sort of like you're describing, maybe a, a consciousness to the web itself somehow. Uh, and and is, is there sort of that, I mean, it's funny, right? We, we think in terms of Spider-Man and his spider sense is tingling, his heightened awareness, right? I wonder, 
I wonder if that's actually a similar thing to spiders and their heightened awareness is because of that symbiosis somehow, maybe through even paranormal ways of that attachment to their web. Pretty wild idea, huh? Yes and no. Um, but I don't know, maybe that's just me because of the stuff we talk about all the time. Um, but, yeah, and it's just also getting back to you when you mentioned people that make make things with their own hands, you know, woodworking, um, similar things. And it kind of, um, it made me think of, you know, basically, it made me think of Jay in, in New York because he said similar things about, you know, he knows that with the things he makes, because he, he works with wood and everything, he he's, does construction, and, you know, there's a lot of energy that the people that make those things, that there's a lot of energy that they use, and they, they expend, and they put into the things that they're making. And I think that can be true even for, even just for, for stories, for things that people think of on their own, and then put out there. You know, when you're reading a story... I don't think it's all necessarily about the words or the story itself. It's more also about the the way, almost like their style, the writer's style, um, and how they write. You know, there's a lot of different ways to take this. Yeah, I think so. And it, it is interesting that when you look at the, the the mythology of this spider, and you know, again back back to that arachnophobia and how you know we've talked about DNA memory and things like this. How we we just know instinctively we're supposed to be afraid of spiders. Some of us are you know more or less maybe um, have some immunity to that. Maybe we can uh, conquer that that initial fear sometimes. But I mean, you know, even even the best of us, right? Uh, and I and I mean that in the best way. <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, if we get we get a big nasty spider staring at us. With those big nasty eyeballs, right? Like uh, we we kind of want to instantly squish it, don't we? <laughs> get it, get it. I mean, I don't know, I don't know. So so not just that. Then we have this other idea that it goes way back. And again, back to that idea of uh, uh, think about it in terms of the uh, the reason I wanted to play that entire myth of uh, Arachne and Athena was because think about the web they were weaving in that competition, right? And that ancient Greek myth of uh, how the first spire was created. And again, just a real quick brief, if you missed that part, it's just that weaving competition between Arachne, a mortal, that actually challenged, through her boasting, uh, the mighty goddess Athena, the goddess of wisdom. And Athena appeared before her and was like, it's on. And they started weaving. And not just weaving things, they were weaving magic things inside of these webs themselves against stories of old sort of uh, parodies of the gods in, in, in Arachne's um, uh, situation there and uh, sort of that same magic uh, maybe coming out of their fingertips and weaving these first webs as it were as it now became known but then now we have these spiders sort of doing a similar thing in that uh, they're in, embedding that consciousness into the web itself it creeps me out, man. It creeps me out a little bit just because uh, spiders in particular kind of have that, you know, that uh, sort of uh, if you get caught in a spider web, right, you, you definitely like get the shiver up your spine. You know what I'm saying? How, do, have you ever uh, walked into a spider web like that, James? and just been like, yeah, got that revulsion on you. Yeah, I don't care if I've walked into a couple. I think, um, you know, it's it's easier to happen, especially when you can't see so well. You know, that's not to. Uh, that's not something that you're you're usually going to find with your cane, your white cane, when you're walking, because that's on the ground, and those things are usually up, you know. So I've, I've walked into a few, and it's not fun, um, and I don't care for that. It's really funny, though, because 
I've never really, because of my low vision, like, spiders in person, they don't really frighten me so much, because all I see are just little blobs, <laughs> little dots. Um, but I've seen pictures, obviously, you know, on, on online, and and uh, they 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 do they are definitely uh, strange looking. Yeah, yeah, and it, it definitely like uh, like uh, all you gotta do is magnify it; it'll scare the piss out of you. I guarantee you that. Um, yeah. So, so so I don't know, like this, but then the larger idea. How about so if we're go back to the original uh, Arachne myth, right? The mythology there. We're having like this uh, throwdown uh, for for all the marbles sort of competition with the goddess Athena, weaving not just ideas and images and stories of old and things like this into the web itself. It got me thinking in terms of the digital web. Now, when you start looking in those terms and thinking in those terms, it's like, wait a minute, if we have like this, so we're, we're basically talking about these tools that sort of become this extension of ourselves, right? And in the case of a spider, they, it's an organic thing. They've, you know, created the web themselves. But what about us with all of our computers and all, our, all the screens around me and all the things we use to create these things on a daily basis? Is do you think there's something to this in terms of maybe that consciousness, uh, that idea of uh, what's it called, embodied cognition, maybe somehow would reach out into the data, into the interwebs itself, and uh, I don't know, maybe that's the encroachment we're looking for here. <laughs> what do you think about that one? Well, that's interesting because in a way, the web, the internet, had still had to be created, and it's still being created. I wonder if, again, going back to the idea of, of the people, when they make things, they put their energy into it, and maybe even part of themselves into it. So maybe some of that strange awareness that we see sometimes online in the terms of how certain themes pop up no matter what sites you go to. Um, I just had a thing today that happened with my show. <laughs> Just real quick, that was interesting because um, I had APOC on as a guest, and we each went and found different stories to read on the show. And we didn't tell each other what the stories were. And as we were reading them, they kind of, they all linked together. And in ways that we had not planned. Like I said, we did not tell each other what the stories were. And it just worked out where it was, t it was like a, like a web. It was like, it was like a, you know, this line of stories that worked out together that we hadn't planned planned that way. Like like almost there's only one story and we're just all tracing it back to it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah it was, it was, it was there was the original spider web woven by Arachne and Athena. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty nuts, man. I I think I don't know, that this 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 one got me creeped out in, in a lot of ways just because there's there's kind of a lot of ways to take it, that uh, bubble of consciousness. And like maybe you described too that maybe there is a paranormal link. And like I said, you know, you carve a, a piece of wood, right? The piece of wood was a living thing at some point. And even if it's not when you're carving it up or whatever, it's been dead for, you know, 100 years or something, right? You're you're still like you described sort of imbuing your your love and your care and your essence into this piece of wood right so it, it does sort of track sort of in that paranormal way that uh if we're if we're casting spells in those sort of ways to imbue essence or uh, love or time or thoughtfulness or whatever it is into a uh, into a project or a craft we create then it seems to track that maybe in that same paranormal way that maybe the spiders are doing something similar what do you think about uh, spiders casting spells, James? 
Well, yeah, they, they don't need to be casting anything than, than other than the web they're already putting out there, but um, that's, yeah, that's possible. I mean, just in the way that, because you would think, you would think that um, the various creatures that they catch over time would would adapt or would adjust to knowing, you know, that their webs, those are, their webs are there and they're going to, you know, not to go anywhere near them, but they, apparently they, they don't all the time. They still manage to get caught. So does that mean the web moves somehow? Is that what the, what the consciousness part of it is for, is to adjust its position somewhat in some cases? To catch whatever it is that they're going to, the spider is going to, going to you know, eventually have to, to eat. I mean, it's, um, that's what I wonder about that. Yeah, which again, like I said, uh, at scale, we talk about the micro and the macro, right? You, you start to look at a giant spider web and uh, it suddenly becomes a terrifying aspect because nobody likes being uh, tangled up, <laughs> if you know what I mean. My dog, by the way, my, my little dog, she's just such a little punk. She has a thing about, um, like, you can't, you can't put her harness on her. She'll, like, fight you tooth and nail, like, you putting it over her head and under, like, under her paw and stuff, like her little, little front leg. She can't stand it. Like, she, it's like that idea of being tangled up. She freaks out. She, like, loses her damn mind almost. And I, this is my theory, is maybe she was a fly in a past life. <laughs> she, she actually, she actually met her demise by uh, being tangled in a spider web. I don't know, man. Pretty wild stuff. But uh, a lot of, a lot of this, again, like, like you said, some, synchronicities in some of these things when you when you think about them when you think in terms of consciousness and whatnot um amazing stuff i as always james i appreciate you so much bailing me out you do it on a nightly basis here and i can't thank you enough you're the best brother oh no problem great great topic and uh can't wait to hear what everybody else thinks about this right on uh james here a good friend of mine has a podcast called salcedo paranormal check it out uh links in the description down below and uh, he goes five nights a week talks about spooky stuff he's doing book reviews he's talked lovecraft he's doing a series of uh, mountains uh and uh their paranormal aspects with jennifer on fridays and so uh go check it out go go give uh james some love and uh appreciate it very much my friend thanks for hanging out and uh catch you soon Yep, have a good night. You too. Thank you very much. Still talking about this. Attack of the Flying Spiders. And what about the idea of thinking webs? This uh, thing called embodied cognition. What does it mean? Is it possible that somehow, way, our consciousness is not just tangled up in our brain and ourselves, but somehow really extends out past us into maybe even inanimate objects? Uh, 702-957-1037. Click the Discord link at Trouble Minds. Let's go to, speaking of Jennifer in Missouri. Welcome to Troubled Minds. How are you tonight? Good. How are you doing? Doing very well. Um, I hope you have an idea here about something creepy or otherwise. What do you think about thinking spiderwebs? You hope I do. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I don't know. It is kind of... When you first posted the thing about that, I was like, oh, that is creepy. With the the thinking web and you know extrasensory thing okay so you're obviously on to something with it you know and if you if you think about it i think i think you're spot on with the subconscious mind aspect of it i i've been thinking about it and i think so so the way that this would work is like the web is their subconscious in a way and our senses too like we're all a part of a giant subconscious interlinking web with each other and with the world we're in, in a way like there have been reports of people who can 
like they use their senses different than we do. Like they can run their fingers over written words and read them with their fingers. You guys have to Google this it's crazy. So they can like tell colors by touching and not looking. They can sense it through their fingertip, through their sense of touch, you know, and their the spider web itself too. I guess it can hear the spider web itself can hear out it. So they don't just hear with the hairs on their legs and such, but they're hearing with their web. So they're using it for all kinds of like extrasensory activities, which is really weird. And I think that we couldn't even have like our, uh, our extended, you know, sensors with our technology or maybe we could, I don't know, but I think that we're very much inspired by the, by looking at spiders and how they create their, their environments and, and our internet itself, like our technology, the way that it works, it's almost like there's a giant spider somewhere that's like created the interwebs. They even have something called web crawlers that operate in the interweb, web crawlers, web spiders that operate within the, in, within the World Wide web. And what these web crawlers do is they like scamper along the internet somehow and they like take in information for web searches and stuff like that. So they've, they've taken this whole concept of the subconscious, like, and then back to the subconscious thing, when you think about the fact that what we're talking about last night with the reverse speech thing, though that was very interesting, you know, to expand on that a little bit more. I mean, like what James was saying about, you know, somehow they, things just kind of lined up. And people say that all the time with synchronicity and everything, things just kind of lined up, you know, like how we all get to where we're at anyway in life. Like it's part of some kind of bigger scope plan, you know, like with the idea of the weaving of the fates and that there might be some aspect of divinity that is represented somehow by the, by the spider creature itself in nature. Cause we see these reflections of divinity in nature or, you know, we try to capture when we see something in nature, which all of it kind of seems to be, but yeah, you know, when we make these specific things like, you know, idols or something. And it's almost like a, like in Hinduism, I guess they talk about how the Maya is like a spider's web. It's like what keeps like the spiders at the center and everything else is on the outside of the web being felt by it. But like, you can't really, it comes to you and you don't really come to it. And, and it can sense from, I mean, like the idea of the subconscious, whatever this divinity might be that's created everything, it like, it's sensing it all from, from the entirety all at once. Like a spider doesn't just sense it. Like it senses it before it even hits its web. Like it can, it smells and feels everything before it even gets to the web. Like it can hear you walking across your floor before you even get to it. Like it's using that in such a way. And if our own reality is affected this way, if it's not affected this way, but you know, like if our own reality is structured like that, where whatever is, or even ourselves, if we, if our subconscious mind has no limit or we don't know the limits of it and we don't, if it's, you know, if I'm, you know, like, what well, kind of, I mentioned that it's kind of repetitive, but 
like remote viewing and things like that, where people are somehow knowing things when they shouldn't, when they can't know it, you know, like, um, or like almost when you know somebody's fixing to say something before they say it, there's no reason you should know that, you know? So I, I, I don't know. It's very interesting. And I think you, I think you're drawn to, to bring it up because we know that there's some interconnectedness between all of us and everything else going on. Not the, I'm not saying the singularity thing, you know, but that we're all a part of some fabric. You know, like people say that analogy too a lot of times. I'm going to put my feelers out, you know, and the moment you do that, you do find something. You usually do. Like if you put your feelers out, you find what you were looking for. And I think it's, it's very... It, it is it is it's very creepy uh great stuff as always jennifer i appreciate the phone call we're out of time jennifer here has a youtube channel please check it out uh, brilliant stuff from her as always links in the description uh, go give her a follow thank you for the phone call jennifer thanks for listening amazing stuff as always have a great night thank you very much 702-957-1037 click the discord link at troubleminds.org what do you think about this idea of a worldwide web that is not well connected to the web or is it love to hear your thoughts this is Trouble Minds I'm Michael Strange we're talking about yep the attack of the flying spiders and of course their thinking webs be right back more after the break Welcome back to Troubled Minds. I'm your host, Michael Strange, and we are streaming on Rockfin, YouTube, DLive, and Twitter, and we are broadcasting live on the Fringe FM. We're taking your phone calls tonight as we discuss this idea, this idea of these Joro spiders are in basically invading the eastern seaboard of the United States, all right? They're giant flying spiders, they say. They're completely harmless, but this article came out just recently about the thoughts of a spider web, meaning is the spider web itself some sort of extension of the consciousness and maybe motivations of the spider itself? Love to hear your thoughts. 702-957-1037. That's 702-957-1037. And we'll put you on the show. It's as easy as that. It seems pretty creepy there. Great call from Jennifer. Great call from James. Appreciate it very much, guys. It does seem creepy here that uh, we have this idea as well, like Jennifer was saying, of the World Wide Web. In that, we have these search engines that have these what are known as web crawlers. And what they do is they, they crawl across the web, the internet, the actual web itself, and they index websites for search okay so they're constantly climbing around they're indexing things they're they're kind of uh they're they're basically these little web spiders right and so it is strange that a lot of these correlations or larger ideas even back to mythology seem to stick today and uh is is so uh, the the further extension of that 
is there some sort of bizarre consciousness to, let's say, the the consciousness of the person and their tools and the reciprocity of those things? See, I, could, I said it. I said it. Uh, but uh, I don't know. And, and if that's the case, then, are we having this, this reciprocal sort of thing happening with our consciousness and these web crawlers themselves? I have no idea. One more time. 702-957-1037. Love to hear your thoughts. Let's go to Daryl in New York. What's up, Daryl? Welcome to Trouble Minds. How are you? Hi, Michael. I'm doing great. Um, this is such an interesting subject. Uh, spiders are so creepy, and I've had my own experience with spiders that I, I don't even want to get into. Um, what was I going to tell you? Okay, I have a, I have a list. So, uh, like spiders. Okay, let's start with, like, black widow spiders, for example. Those are really creepy. And they supposedly, like, eat their um, eat their mate. After they mate with them, I'm not sure if they eat them, but they kill them, right? That's why they call them the Black Widow, because they don't have a husband. But that's kind of that kind of a dark part of the spiders. They weave a tail, and then they're sticky. I mean, there's a lot of things that are inherently and in, in, instinctively, like, repulsive and repugnant about them, you know? I think it's universal. I think we all are, you know, maybe we have that memory, like you said, you know, it's a genetic memory, but... It's an aversion that it's kind of universal. I think we all kind of have, a, you know, that feeling when we see a spider. Um, I remember when I was a little girl, even I was just a kid, and I found a daddy long legs, and I thought they were speaking to me. They made this weird sound like, wow, 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 like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I could hear them. They creeped me out. I couldn't stand daddy long legs. They were so creepy, and kids would take their legs off. I wouldn't touch them. I mean, that was so awful. To have like a daddy long legs without the legs, it didn't matter with or without legs. I was still afraid of them. But um, I wanted to say something because I saw I was listening to a program today um, on Dr. Artis, and there was a woman there. They were both very biblical and religious, and she was talking about how she um, she makes movies and she does um, a lot of good things and good deeds for the earth, and God always somehow shows her the way. And she was telling this story about how to teach farmers how to how to get their land back because they've you know spoiled their land with insecticides and pesticides and this fertilizers and how to make your own fertilizer and how to retill the earth and then how the earth pays you back because the earth like there's worms that'll you know till the soil and they have to rotate the soil and like to keep your soil fertile you have to kind of keep it you know keep it wet and keep the worms and then not always plant the same vegetables to keep a variety and then all the vegetables work together with the land that has minerals that we need for nourishment and it's all connected and all the birds and the bees and whatever the irrigation the the pollination the the food that we eat and we're all somehow connected in the trees in the ground getting back into the earth there's all a, a, a tangled you know network and webs and we're all kind of codependent and you know that relationship is very important in this planet i think we all have a relationship with the earth basically and with each other and with species and even spiders as disgusting as they are have a purpose um you know not that we think they we appreciate them but i'm sure you know they're you know maybe they they keep the bugs at a, a certain population it's a balance you know the balance of nature and how we have to appreciate that and um 
where am I going with this? Um, oh, the spider web. So, yeah, I think there is a communication there. And I think maybe it communicates to us to be grossed out by it. It must make something, you know, the stickiness of the web. Plus, they're so intelligent. I mean, how many animals use these tools? That's a tool. I mean, that's that's an art. They have, like, this secret, like, amazing thing that they can spin silk and make these webs that are so, you know, um, ornate and perfect and symmetrical and, uh, you know, geometrically amazing, you know, and that sacred geometry that they have inherent in them, you know, they just are born and they make a web. So they're quite amazing creatures when you think about it, you know, that uses tools like we do, you know, like monkeys can use a tool and how many, you know, animals really use tools, you know, that shows their intelligence, I guess, would you say? Yeah, yeah, great takes there. And I think that's that's kind of what I was getting at as well, is that if we're talking about tools, right, and sort of like James was also describing, like sort of embedding our... Uh, I don't know, essence into something we create, like, like you said, maybe a hammer, you know, and, you know, monkeys can use tools and, you know, we, we birds are using tools are using sticks to dip sure. in to get the insects. And, you know, there's a whole lot sure. of this stuff going on in like the most basic, like crude sense of the word tool. But then we have computers and we have jet airplanes and we have, you know, we got all kinds right. of crea- with space shuttles. I mean, and so the question becomes, right. So if you can embed something like uh, that same sort of, symbiosis to a tool and in this case with the spider and the web it's an organic thing it's created from their body so it doesn't seem ridiculous to suggest that there is a part of a consciousness attached to that somehow Uh, it is it is super weird but it it seems also right Uh, i don't know it's pretty wild like like you said uh, like when when you're walking through the house they know you're there. Like they, they know from the oh, vibrations, right? They can hear, they can and, see they just based on the not only that, Not only know you're there, they know if you killed a spider in another room. I got to tell you, I've been attacked in another room when I did something in a different room to get the spiders eradicated and not always with a spray that they could smell. Sometimes it was a glue trap or something, you know, sometimes it was something, you know, very clever um, or what else did I use? I mean, I had all kinds of methods, uh, a, a fly swatter even, you know, um, what did I used to use? Uh, spraying them with water, you know, using a, a bottle of spray to get them off the ceiling. I had these unbelievable spiders that could defy gravity. They were on the ceiling. Um, and there's like four kinds of house spiders that can do that. I found out a lot about spiders. Um, I was so allergic to them in the beginning. I didn't even realize that I had a spider bite that made me so ill. And they tried to diagnose me. My throat was so sore. I felt like I had like strep throat. But it wasn't. It was a spider bite. It was a reaction. It was so nasty, the, the reaction I had. And the size of the welts were unbelievable. I mean, they're really... They could be very torturous, you know, and deadly. So, you know, you got to be careful with them. The, but they, they have all this power, and they were smart. I'm telling you, they had, they somehow knew, and I would get dive-bombed. They would attack me in a different room when I did something in another room, and I'd get more bites, and I would be covered. I could feel them, you know. I mean, they definitely, I'm certain this was going on. <laughs> I'm not thinking, I'm not crazy. I don't know. I, I really believe that they were talking to each other. They said, oh, she tried to kill one of us, or she killed one of us, or whatever, you know. And they would punish me in the other room. I mean, this was going on for months. I could not eradicate them for the life of me. Um, 
you know, they would just, uh, they would be everywhere telling you. They, I couldn't get rid of them. I had so many of them that it, I, I just never realized that they could overpopulate. I just didn't understand, you know, why there was such an imbalance in my apartment that there was more spiders than necessary to eradicate whatever fly they might run into occasionally. You know what I mean? It yeah. was definitely... Yeah, I, I wonder too. I wonder if there is some sort of. I mean, we we know that uh, when when you uh, you know like cut cut a plant that that they've measured these sort of inaudible screams that happen from these plants, and and maybe this is the type of thing that's happening when maybe a spider's in distress. Maybe they're doing things like this, and so it puts them all on alert. I could see something like that happening easily, right? And so oh it may God. be if they share webs and they touch, you know, the corners of the webs touch, they can share that vibration. But maybe there's some sort of like audio. Auditory something, yeah, Already something going on. It. Yeah, yeah, pretty wild. Uh, that's a pretty, it pretty sounds... wild story there. But, but I, I, weirdly enough, too, then we get to the internet, right? And you start thinking in terms of that, not just the web, the spider web, but the world wide web. And right. you know, we talk about consciousness, and we don't even know what it is. But what if that start starts to become sort of um, like James was describing, sort of like a paranormal attachment or something to the effect of when we do imbue those tools with our essence. That's happening now, not just from me and you, because we're on the internet right now talking. What's happening from every person in the entire world? So what does that mean? Is it somehow, some way, when, when the internet finally wakes up as its own, you know, uh, Cthulhu monster or something, uh, it's, it's, um, is it us that maybe actually willed that into existence? Like, that's a pretty crazy thought there, too, huh? The power that you're suggesting is unbelievable. I mean, that that uh, we could have some sort of worldwide consciousness is uh, possible, probable. Who knows? I mean, it's uh, it's going there. Um, and soon as they start, you know, reading our minds and, you know, tapping into our consciousnesses, you know, with all their tools and all their technology and all their research, God only knows, you know, that with the metaverse, I mean, we could really have some collective amazing things or horrible things, and where could this go wrong, you know, but uh, I think we could start, yeah, I mean, who knows, you know, from the spider web to our brains to the, through the internet, they, it could all be um, interwoven, and I think, I think we are somehow organically interwoven, for sure, with the earth and the creatures on it, you know, but um, now we're going to be artificially, perhaps, connected um, consciously. It's a, some sort of a collective conscious. Yeah, actually, and that's the that's, that's we... word that I was thinking of, that, that term that I was thinking of before we started tonight. And I kind of forgot it as we were going on the long and rambling road here. But, uh, but I, I think that's, that's a good way to put it. Is it. It's sort of that collective consciousness of not just maybe the spider, say, and the, the web and, you know, this idea of, again, back to... Uh, uh, to the embodied cognition, but past that, this idea of maybe a collective consciousness of not just you know one species, like it's a interplanetary connected consciousness. You know what I mean? Like that oh, wow. that, would, that would make some sense to like you said how how the spiders got aggro when you were trying to take them out. They were like fighting back. You know, like maybe there was that sort of um, aggressive. Uh, sort of posture just uh, that was communicated between them. That's uh, that's just, I mean, it, it stands to reason. It makes sense to me. Again, how do you measure that? Uh, the hell if I know. But but I think it's definitely uh, fascinating to think about. Uh, what else you got for us, Daryl? You said you had a list. Uh, I think I hit it. Let's see. We're all connected spiders and snakes. All the songs. I don't like spiders and snakes. And that ain't what it takes to love me. Um, <laughs> 
uh, you know, all the uh, nursery rhymes. I put a couple in the... Oh, I remember one more thing. That's right. Um, when Harold Velikatz was um, doing his research on the Morgellons uh, subject, he had asked a remote viewer, I think it was... I can't remember the exact story, but he asked a remote viewer to describe what the Morgellons looked like in somebody's body, for example, like in their stomach or whatever, you know. And they actually drew a picture of a human head on a spider body. And uh, it's pretty, like, you know, gruesome looking, you know. That uh, Can you imagine, like, the fly, you know, stuck on a human body, a human head on a spider body. But um, that's how we, like, the Morgellons kind of thing is kind of, like, spidery and, and very sticky and very web-like. You know, there was something very Morgellony about a spider that it has some sort of spider qualities. Maybe it does have some spider DNA in it. I wouldn't be surprised if it was, you know, something that we're pretty sure was man-made. We, we believe that Morgellons is some sort of organic, inorganic kind of uh, creation that can self-replicate, uh, that somehow, you know, had some weird DNA put in it. And we think some of it was from a spider. So, just saying. Exactly. Just to go back to the Morgellons thing, you know. Exactly. A couple things we're going to get to uh, in just a sec here, but uh, but I, I won't, that, that you prompted me that I've actually have prepared. Uh, but the idea of the spider and like the human head on a spider or this like hybrid spider human thing, we'll get to that. The Joro spider itself actually has a Japanese myth mythological. Um, beginning as well. So we'll talk about that, and that's where it gets its name. Talk about that in just a sec. But uh, uh, everybody, please give uh, Daryl a follow. She's got a YouTube channel, and uh, scroll down. It's links in the description. She's got a, uh, a YouTube channel where she sings in English and French, and she does a karaoke several times a week. You can catch that on the Discord. You can join that at troubledminds.org. Click the Discord link, but do scroll down. Links in the description. It says follow Daryl here. Please uh, give Daryl some love. Thank you so much. Stay there, Daryl. I got a poem I'm going to play for you. A poem I'm going to play okay. for you, and then I'll talk about this. Uh, the spider hybrid people in just a sec. Okay. Appreciate the call awesome. very much. Thank you. Thank you. Have a fantastic night. All right, here we go. Stay right there. Uh, this is for, this one's for Daryl. I'm going to play, play this so she can hear. So this is from uh, Walt Whitman. And I, I got this again from, uh, this is uh, from uh, LibriVox again. There's links in the description, but listen to this. Daryl uh, prompted me because I have this spider poem. Listen here. A noiseless patient spider. I marked where on a little promontory it stood isolated, marked how to explore the vacant vast surrounding. It launched forth filament, filament, filament out of itself, ever unreeling them, ever tirelessly speeding them, and you, O oh my soul, where you stand, surrounded, detached, in measureless oceans of space, ceaselessly musing, venturing, throwing, seeking the spheres to connect them, till the bridge you will need be formed, till the ductile anchor hold till the gossamer thread you fling catch somewhere oh my soul and that is from walt whitman and it's called a noiseless patient spider 
And again, that's uh, from LibriVox, and uh, that's in the public domain. So there's this some amazing stuff you can find if you do a little bit of digging in public domain stuff. So thank you so much again for the phone call, Daryl. We'll get to uh, the uh, the spider here and the spider hybrid people and the rest of this. But before we do that, let's go to my good friend Mike in Colorado. Algorithm, are you there? Test one, two. I am here. Test one, two. What's going on, uh, spiders? You got spiders on your mind tonight? <laughs> no, I kind of do because I was listening. In, in, oh. You are cutting out, my friend. Let's uh, give it a when, sec here. And try oh, it try, try Discord again. hates me sometimes. Uh, get, there you go. There? So, yeah, perfect, perfect. Go right ahead. So when we want, don't want spiders to come to us, they always come to us. So it seems like so. So there's that uh, attraction or, or repelling the thing. So we don't want them. They're like, "Hey, what's up? <laughs> How you doing?" Yeah, and you, <laughs> you started to touch on that a little bit. And I was in pest control for a while. Before that, though, anytime a spider would come into my domain, I would put a glass over top and slide a piece of paper and take it back outside. And I did that for years. And I was ground floor, and I, I, I haven't seen spiders since. So I think there's something to that energy. Yeah, so they sense it, and somehow it, it, it tracks to me. I mean, I think that uh, you know when somebody's you know wants wants to do you harm, and maybe it's an energy. We we kind of talked about it in in um, some other uh, past shows with James. He he does the paranormal show, and he, and he's like, you know, it seems like that there would be sort of that negative energy in the air, like sort of that, you know, uh, violent electricity per se. You know, I don't think we use those words. I just made that up right now. But uh, I don't know. It seems like like you, if you pay attention sort of in that, you know, like Yoda says, when you are calm, when you are at peace, you will know. Uh, it seems like maybe that is something to this, this, um, this idea that we know when we're in danger because the danger's in the air. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And the more that we focus on that, then the more it's going to come to my opinion. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely tracks. Uh, what about this idea about thinking spider webs? Have you heard of this before? And so the, the <laughs> scientific term is actually embodied cog- cognition. And it's a, it's a thing. It's like they're actually discussing this as, as a maybe juice sort of thing. But scientifically, I don't know, does that seem wild to you? You know, it doesn't. Nothing seems wild to me in 2022, unfortunately. But I hadn't heard about it until tonight, and I'm glad you brought it up. It's something I wrote down that I'm going to take a look into. Okay, all right. I'd <laughs> love to hear your take when uh, when you do when you do some digging. I appreciate it very much. What else you got for us tonight, Mike? You know, just thank you for the show. You bring a lot of good people together. You're you're titting on a thing that most people don't even pay attention to, and I think everybody who follows you is better for knowing you. So keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Thank you for the call. Appreciate that. And you as well. That's uh, Mike in uh, Colorado, Algorithm. Please give him a follow, guys. I'm going to get his uh, YouTube channel and link it in the chat. He does good work over there as well. Uh, popped into his show, I think it was last Friday, last Thursday, something like that. Uh, go say hi. He's got a good group of people over there as well, and a lot of them are actually here with us tonight. So so thank you, Mike, for uh, being uh, being a champion of this show and uh, and, and, and getting behind me and uh, saying uh, telling me I'm doing good work. Hey, that's, that's how you get uh, bonus points with me. You tell me I'm doing good work. <laughs> Appreciate it. Great call, my friend. Uh, all right, so uh, I will grab that. Hold on. Before we do this, I want to make sure I get this and don't leave this out. So if you want to, be, uh, please do give uh, Algo Rhythm a follow. And uh, real, uh, so let me get this, get this. 
Uh, I will put this in the chat. Uh, we're running out of time. Hold on. Check this out. I want to just do this real fast before we do, before we uh, wind up the radio hour here. Now, there's this thing, actually. So we talked about arachne tonight. But then there's this other thing regarding the Joro spider, J-O-R-O, right? That's the actual uh, the name of this spider that's, that's actually um, you know invading the East Coast. But it actually comes from this Japanese myth called Jorogumo. And uh, yeah, that's, it's short for, uh, for just J-O-R-O. And the craziest part is that, yeah, wouldn't you believe it, that uh, renowned for their size, their vividly beautiful colors, we're talking about the actual spider, and the large and strong webs they weave, the beautiful Jorogumo are also so famous for the cruel destruction they wreak on young men. Uh, written with the modern kanji, their name means Entangling Bride. However, these characters were added much later to cover up the original meaning of Jorogumu, which means whore spider. Hmm, interesting. But uh, this is pretty cool. We'll get into this as we go tonight. But it is a shape-changing spider that uh, was uh, trying to entrap young men young virile men <laughs> oh boy all right so uh, thanks again for hanging out with us tonight thanks for all the amazing phone calls like i said uh, you guys bail me out on a nightly basis i i, I can't i can't say thank you enough and uh, let me do this as we're as we're doing this. So you guys know the drill, right? We we go Monday through Thursday at seven p.m. Pacific, and just try and talk about things that uh, other people aren't thinking about. And I think that's that's really what it is. That's really what all this is. Is let's uh, let's talk about some things that um, people just really haven't really considered yet, or spent a ton of time considering. And if you've heard something brand new on my show that you're like, ah, I've never heard of that. Good. That's exactly what I want. Exactly what I want. There's Algorithms channel. Please give him a follow. Uh, linked it in the chat. Well, that's what this is about. It's about, uh, one, learning things for myself. It's about hopefully bringing some things, some new ideas to you that you may or may not have heard of in the past. And uh, that's how we, uh, to me, that's how we get together. That's how we grow. That's how things um, become, let's say, something better for the future. We got to learn. We got to do our thing and um, never stop learning. Never stop learning. Hey, we, we got air in our lungs. There's time to learn. Go get it. So as we finish, it goes a little something like this. If you're listening to us on the Fringe FM, stay tuned for Joe Roop and Lighting the Void. If you're listening to us on any other platform, including the podcast feed, stay tuned for a third hour of Troubled Minds. And as we finish, be sure, be strong, be true. Thank you for listening. From our troubled minds to yours, have a great night. Radio timing. Damn, I'm good. Right at right at nine o'clock on the dot. Bing off the radio. All right. So we're going to do, like I said, we got some uh, some other stuff to talk about here, which I'll get into. Uh, we'll play that Walt Whitman again if you want to hear it. We got uh, mythology. We got this idea of thinking webs. We've got this idea of embodied cognition. What about how how do spiders know? Well, what do they know? And is their web helping them figure it out? 
I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as we go tonight. Thank you so much for the, all the amazing calls so far. That would be uh, James, Jennifer, Daryl, and Algorithm. Give all of them a follow. Links are in the description down below. You can find their channels. Please give them some love, and thank you so much for, for bailing me out every damn night. Uh, again, uh, just trying to throw some, uh, some fun and novel ideas out there and think about things people aren't thinking about. And you guys save me every single night, and I, I can't say thank you enough. So uh, third hour is for you. If you guys are interested in this conversation, what about thinking spiderwebs? What about this idea of embodied cognition? What about this idea of the Joro spiders invading the East Coast? 702-957-1037. Don't go anywhere. Two-minute break. More troubled minds on the way. Be right back. Welcome back to Troubled Minds. I'm your host, Michael Strange, and we're streaming on Rockfin, YouTube, DLive, and Twitter. And this is the third hour, so if uh, you've got a potty mouth and you can't, uh, you can't help yourself from cursing on the radio, now is your time. I see you there, Kelly. We're going to go to you in just a sec. Uh, I think Jack beat you here by just a smidge. So let's go to Jack in Oregon. We're still talking about this idea of spiders. Thinking webs, what's going on with this? Jack in Oregon, welcome to Troubled Minds. How are you tonight? Oh shit! Spiders. <laughs> spiders. Oh man, uh, you you got a special relationship with spiders? Well, uh, I like the fact that they kill all the flies. Um, I'd much rather have spiders than flies. Okay, all right, I'm with you there. <laughs> they do, like Daryl was saying. You know, they they belong here. They're, they're not here by accident. There's a there's they're part of the right. whole. The whole, right? They're definitely part of the whole. And yeah, I mean, they stay out of the way. They stay out of the way naturally. Like uh, spiders will weave a web around your walkway out the door, and everybody knows this, right? Yeah, so it's good because they because they don't want you kicking kicking the web open, right? Like every, if you if they did it, right? You, you hit it step. once, you hit it twice. They yeah. learn and make a little creative thing in the in the corner. I, I don't it, see why you're so uh, like down on spiders and they're scaring <laughs> us, uh, Mike. Hey, really? well, okay. What about what about the idea of thinking spider webs? Now that's something different entirely. That's not really down on spiders. I think it's a I think it's a fascinating thing to talk about. Well, so talk about pest control, right? <laughs> right. I mean, you know, I, you, you could take it to that level and just be like, ah, you know, we could talk pest control. I mean, that's fine. But that's really not what Trouble Minds is about. Uh, what's up, Dave? In the chat says, I think spiders are psychic. How about that? Do you think spiders are psychic, Jack? Well, I know, I know that I like, uh, yeah, like you, you, you can, uh, like am I in a spider web right now? After you walk through a spider web and you're like, Oh, yep. I'm in a spider web and you can feel it. You know, it helps me like bald and stuff too. <laughs> Because <laughs> it doesn't get stuck in your hair? The spider doesn't stick to your hair? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like every morning almost. 
Yeah, all right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So so what do you think about the, the mythology of spiders here, arachnophobia and all the rest of this? What are your other thoughts, my friend? I get it. I get it. Spiders are just spiders, but uh, it is troubled minds after all. So we're kind of trying to look at it from a, some different ways. As you know, you're not new here. All right. Well, if I think back, I remember back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Anyways, they had a writer's strike on television. And all the comedy writers, all the drama writers, all the writers went on strike. And uh, then instead of resolving the strike and, like, coming to terms and stuff, what happened was is they went to reality television. And uh, the uh, Apprentice and all that kind of stuff. And uh, now here we are. <laughs> there we are. Well, hey, you know, I think there's uh, there's some interesting narratives that uh, really, people... no, I, you know, I really had a lot of sympathy with the union and the writers on strike at the time. It's over now. I understand, but anyways, uh, spiders are. Super scary, Mike. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, indeed, they are, sir. All right. All right. So uh, you do have a special relationship with spiders, and you do like that they stay out of the way. I dig it. I dig it. I dig it. Uh, so, uh, so thank you. Love your show. Thank Love you. Love your show. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate the call, my friend. Always a pleasure. Uh, thanks for calling. Thanks for being part of this. Ciao. Have a great night. There you go. That's uh, that's Jack in Oregon. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, appreciate all the phone calls, guys. We're we're talking about this idea again. We're going to get to Joro Joro. Sorry, how do I say this? Joro uh, Gumo. We'll get back to Joro Gumo in a sec, and which is actually the the base of this spider, these Joro spider. Okay, which again is uh, in 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 infesting, invading, invading the East Coast. All right. And so the Joro spider, we'll get to that, a Japanese sort of a tradition in just a moment, the, the mythology that names this spider. But before we do that, we're taking your phone call, 702-957-1037. That's 702-957-1037. Click the Discord link at Trouble Minds, and you can, you can be on the show just like this. So let's go to Kelly. Kelly in Colorado. What's up, brother? How are you tonight? Good evening, Michael. How you doing? Hey, okay, my man. Just talking crazy shit, spiders, and smart webs. <laughs> what's on your mind my man that's uh interesting uh I, I like spiders myself um due to the fact um yeah my native side of of my culture right is uh <clears throat> we we believe in different things you're like uh with the spiders you it's with anything you live cohesively with with nature right but you don't kill a spider in your house kind of like with uh uh, what's the name was saying earlier? Uh, the other guy was from, uh, from Colorado. Uh, Mike. Right. Um, it's true. If you, uh, what you do is you just capture the spider and throw them outside. You know, kind of let them know. That's letting them know that you don't want them in the house. Right. If you try to smash them, and it's that the thing, you know, they're, of course, they're, I, I believe that they would start attacking you and stuff like that, too, because that lets them know that, you know, there's going to be an issue in there but most most of the time they're in there you know we believe that it, they're they're protectors right you know you leave uh, a lot of people like gardeners they live you know cohesively with them and you can use them in there you know in your gardening keep other insects other pests out of, outside your house 
they're very interesting arachnids, you know, almost like an an animal instead of a, an arachnid, you know, because they they're, they can capture like with their webs, you know, they can capture birds, lizards, snakes, you know, bigger creatures than them, you know, big ones, fish, all that. Pretty yeah. crazy to see someone when they're capturing fish, but. <clears throat> Yeah, I believe it's an extension. It's like anything else, you know, within the universe, you know, or, you know, within the world or the universe that we live in. It's it's all connected, right? Their web is. Now, I believe that because, uh, you know, it's kind of like the same thing with uh, the theory they have. It's not a theory. It's a it's um, they did a testing with like the uh, the native people on like the hair, you know, the length of the hair. It's an extension of the nervous system, they believe, you know, for a lot of the better trackers, you know, they were using them in the army, the Native Americans, you know, for trackers, but then, you know, they wanted to integrate them, so they shaved their heads. And then the Natives, you know, the, the they were using some of the trackers, they said they couldn't, they couldn't do it anymore, you know, they didn't have the, they you know, they didn't have the ability to reach out anymore. That's more or less, you know, reaching out with your feelings. They're like, you know, someone else was talking about, like, you know, you get that feeling, the gut, what they call the gut feeling, you know, and the same thing. You can, uh, your body will aware you of what's going on before it even, you know, that it's even happening or before. Kind of like reading, you know, seeing into, like, like strain, you know, seeing, seeing into the future. Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes some sense to me too. It, the weirdness with the spider webs is that um, I don't know. Being smart, a lot of ways to go with that. Again, we talked about Indra's web in the past here, right? It's sort of that those, um, you know, the the web of the universe, right? Sort of a galactic web. But then also, right, you could take it to technology, like Jennifer was saying, in, in those web crawlers, and that's exactly what they're doing. They're indexing websites uh, so that uh, Google has databases of these websites, what they determine them to be. And if, if you're talking about like magic on the internet, you know, wink, wink, if you know what I mean, like for censorship, the the one who's collecting all the data, the things that are doing it, are these actual web crawlers? They're on every website. If it's indexed by Google, it's been crawled by their crawlers. Pretty wild stuff huh? when you look at the, not just the mythology the spider stuff like you like you described there, um, but then also this maybe sort of um, other idea of a technological web uh, seems seems pretty bizarre. Seems pretty amazing if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, just like you're just. I think they're taking, you know, obviously they're taking uh, a, a note out of that because, you know, uh, spiders are be known as cleaners. You know, they clean up all the stuff that's in the house. You know, like if you let them live in there, you know, they'll they're not really going to bother you. They're not. They don't attack people. That's not what they're. You know, they're they do. Well, I mean, most people get you know spider bites and stuff like that. Though, you know, they they're they might jump on you, but you know, what I mean, that's more of a self defense thing. You know, most people get bitten that night, you know, and that's because they're crawling around. And if you try to roll on them or something, yeah, they're going to, you know, protect themselves and bite you. But most of the times, you know, they're not going to, you know I mean? They're just, yeah, they can bite you, but, you know, there's be a reason. You can just, you know, get rid of them that way, you know, just to show them that, you know, you don't want them in there in that, in that, in that, in that house. But unless you're. You know, unless you're, like, living next to a field or a forest, man, that's going to be harder to take care of something like that. 
that's like how it was uh, in some of the areas here in Colorado. You know, they're just they're just there, you know. Or like when I was stationed in Maryland, you know, with all those trees and everything, man, we had always had different types of spiders too. But with the, with the spiders too, man, even like what's interesting about them is that, you know, they can make their their webs, you know, more sticky or less sticky. You know, the the strength, the flexibility for those things. It's it's got to be some kind of an extension kind of a smart, you know what I mean? It's, it's, I wouldn't say smart. Well, it'd have to be smart, but like, you know, it's an extension of themselves, you know, when they spread all that stuff out. And some spiders actually too, you know, the cohesiveness too, with like some of the, there's some tarantulas that, like, that keep frogs as pets, you know, the, the frogs will keep the uh, ants and stuff off the spider eggs and the spiders protect the frogs, you know, from, uh, so that's, you know, that's kind of a, people would ask if they have a consciousness too, like with animals, but yeah, spiders, you know, giant spiders like that keep frogs around, you know, and they, you know, we live cohesive with them again with like gardeners, you know, you know, you could use some stuff like that, but you know, a lot of them, it, it's pretty crazy, man. And then, you know, different things you could get rid of the spiders too, after you're, you know, you think you're done with them, you can bring in, uh, uh, ladybugs. A lot of people here in Colorado use ladybugs. Like the uh, ladybugs, like I think, like the, the red with the black spots? Yep, ladybugs. How come? I'm not sure what you mean. Do they do they fight them uh, off? They, they can, uh, they get rid of some spiders, you know, that are in, in within, uh, you know, that are not wanted or other insects that are inside the, the plants. They, you know, they use spider, uh, ladybugs to do so. <clears throat> so the, it's just a, an exchange of insects, you know, where you can do that, you know, like the invasiveness. That's the thing too with the, you know, they can spread out and like almost make a a parachute and they just catch the wind, and that's how they all, you know, started traveling. Yeah, that's but, you know, if, that's these jorah you know, spiders. That's what they're saying. That's how they're traveling all over the East Coast. They're saying they're like, uh, you know, uh, you know, the the term invading, right, right, is clearly like like it's just hyperbolic to to get clicks you know but i mean like you said they're here in colorado like you live near the woods they're here they were here before us i mean <laughs> it just is what it is but that, that's how like you're saying they jump on the web and just hit the wind and they're gone right they'll, they'll carry them who knows how many miles it's, it's pretty crazy yeah so i i, I kind of think of that too and like on a galactic thing so we're you know go back to the interest web right everything is connected so maybe each galaxy is just a you know a, a, a spider web that was someone a spider that spread it spread out you know, and each galaxy is spreading throughout the you know throughout the universe on that on their own web you know pretty interesting to think about. Yeah, pretty good stuff. Uh, what so so you do think that in some terms that the 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 idea of a spider web sort of being maybe not conscious but part of the spider's consciousness. You think it tracks. You think that there's something to this, and that you know, like uh, like we were describing earlier tonight, that uh, you know they know from the vibrations when you're walking by. Like uh, Jack said when he just called just before you you popped in here, he said, uh, you know, like they know to stay out of the way, right? They kind of just want to hang out in the corner and you know clean up the mess, like you were just describing as well. But what about this idea that these webs are an extension of maybe that consciousness? I mean, we talk about our consciousness in, uh, like Jennifer said as well. 
is not being part of just ourself, not part of the meat suit. Maybe it, it kind of goes to, you know, into the dream world or it goes into a remote viewing and things like this. But, um, but I don't know. I don't know. What, what do you think regarding that? And the web itself is part of their, not really like alive and thinking, but part of their conscious process. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll, yeah. I believe that. That's what I was kind of explaining earlier, but like, it's interesting too, because how far can it go? So <clears throat> I'm going to give an example. It's like, say, you know, you're outside, you know, and you know, you have spiders outside. There's someone, there's some that I just keep around. And, you know, I know they're big, they're huge garden spiders, right? But you want to kind of keep those ones around, you know, they keep like the bigger pests or, you know, moths and all that other shit around that are flying around. But, um, what's interesting, you know, they're, you know, they're all nocturnal. So they come out, obviously, you know, they spin their web. Some of them eat their web, you know, they can swallow their web back or re or like return it back to where there's, you know, from their rear end. But most of them, they will eat it and they can reuse that, you know, the web for it. But if you ever notice in the morning, if you were to walk outside and, and when people say they walk into a web, it's mostly just one string, you know, one little piece. And that's what they're doing. They're stringing, you know, to probably to let them know that, hey, you know, they know that humans are walking by and, and, you know, they can know when to scurry off because if that, if that, if they're carrying their consciousness way out that, that's, that is, now that's pretty amazing. You know what I mean? Because it's just, you're just walking into that one string. That's letting them know before you're getting to them, like their big web or something where they're at to let them know that, Hey, someone's coming. I'm, I need to get out of here. Yeah, sort of like a tripwire, right? Like they would they would set it up as literally like a booby trap. It's it's a waster. Uh, it's it's out there just exactly for when something comes through, they can kind of just uh, go go get cover for a second and then maybe go put it back when a, when when big big monster like us passes by, right? Yeah, it's pretty wild. And then and then everything that shakes, right? Again, every every little vibration they're picking up, I, they know all of those things. And um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. It's, it's a pretty amazing thing. And uh, the, the again, the the allegory that goes with uh, the spider web, and like you said, the Indra's web and the galactic. Then you got the uh, the, the other uh, the stuff with uh, the internet itself and the, the web crawlers. Uh, it doesn't seem like this stuff's kind of an accident, does it? Yeah, like uh, maybe we go back to these these uh, these primordial. We talk about the primordial gods and primordial black holes, but I wonder. I wonder how far back the spider actually goes. If it was one of the first uh, sort of critters that uh, caught the attention of mankind, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, I mean some of that. If you really think about that too, kind of thinking about that, I was when you guys were talking about like how you know in the human consciousness or. You know, people freak out about it as soon as they see one. You know, that could just be passed down. But if you would imagine, you know, uh, the planet Earth back then, you know, just like with the... It's kind of like that King Kong movie that they showed where, you know, they were on that... Uh, on Kong Island, right? It's not with Godzilla, but the other one. And they're, like, getting swallowed up by all these insects, you know, spiders and all kinds of shit. They're trying to shoot them. That would be exactly... that. I would... I That's what, how I would imagine... Uh, an arachnid that you know back then you know because everything was bigger back then so i mean we probably can never find one unless you know you probably i don't know you know because it's it, it dissolves easier it's not like bones or anything like from a dinosaur but to try to find something that huge man holy shit yeah it, i mean i don't i i really don't have a, my, my deal is more see with with snakes you know i don't really don't care for those things but i Spiders ain't too bad until they get to a certain size, you know, and like, those <laughs> like big enough to eat you. <laughs> like, 
like Ronald said, the size of a Volkswagen, right? Now, now we got a problem when a spider gets that big. <laughs> yeah, man. Even those those giant transfers in uh, South America, those get up to about you know like a foot in diameter, man. I don't know. And they you know they can spit their 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 hairs off their legs for an indefensive thing, which if those things get on your skin, it's really irritable. Or even in your eyes, you're screwed. But man, yeah, I'd pass. <laughs> no double no thanks uh we'll have to i'll have to find some way to uh do a snake show just for you my man <laughs> see if we can give you nightmares <laughs> uh what else you got for us tonight what are the thoughts on this my man i don't know man that's about it i just want to throw that in because you know most people uh don't be so much uh i don't know i think it's more like uh obviously it's you know hollywood hollywood uh, dramatize everything you know for me, I live with cohesive, tried to live cohesive with those things because, you know, again, you know, they're not really there to mess with you. They're just there to check shit out, you know? Yeah, just to take doing care their thing. of Doing their thing, their spider thing. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Appreciate it, my man. Uh, Kelly here in Colorado, longtime friend of the show. And thank you for listening. Thanks for the call. Always a pleasure, my friend. All right, man. Take it easy. Thanks. You too. Have a great night. Yeah. James says, uh, Nancy, the trickster god from Africa. Last show, actually, the last time we did a spider show was about six weeks ago. Like I said, I don't like to do them too close to each other, but what can you do? Too much too much good spider stuff in the news. you got to do another spider show. But um, we did talk about Nancy, the trickster god from Africa, and that whole uh, that whole mythos, which is pretty cool. Uh, but we, we're going to move on to this one now because this is exactly where we got tonight. This is the Joro spider, all right? And this is from, again, looking to hear from you guys tonight third hour is for you 702-957-1037 i do have a little bit more to get to so i'll uh, keep on trucking here but uh love to hear your thoughts of course what what about this idea of a smart thinking spider web do you think it's part of their consciousness somehow and what about again sort of the galactic web in the in terms of uh maybe um indra's web or what about the the world wide web in the terms of like jennifer said uh, the web crawlers that are out there sort of uh stitching the internet together through <laughs> the digital web pretty pretty wild stuff but what started us tonight was this this idea that uh, this is from futurism experts say that those giant spiders falling from the sky are good actually and these these things are they're falling from the sky they're they're the little hatchlings jump in the web and float in the air and you know end up wherever they end up and that's cool that's fine right i got no problem with that uh but uh the idea that if there's these huge things that are the size of the palm of your hand are falling from the sky. We have a different story, don't we? I think it might be mass bedlam. But this spider is named the Joro spider, all right? J-O-R-O. And the reason for that, uh, here we go, actually. That's a uh, this giant spider, blah, 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 blah. Let's go to this. Now, I thought this was pretty interesting, and it got its name from this. I started this before we got off the fringe there. Joro Gumo. And I'm probably saying that wrong because it's a Japanese name. Read just a little bit of this. This is pretty good. Translation here is entangling bride or alternatively whore spider, W-H-O-R-E, just like it sounds. Uh, habitat, of course, cities, towns, rural, are- rural areas, forests and caves. Uh, diet, young, virile men. <laughs> there it is. Uh, appearance. Now, this is the actual, I actually incorrectly said earlier this is a spider. This was the actual um, appearance of this sort of ancient spider spirit. Now, listen to this. By the way, shout out to BZ. What's up, BZ? Says, uh, first time being here. I uh, was hooked on the, uh, the the reverse speech yesterday. Appreciate you showing up. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, thanks for digging the show. Uh, let's go to uh, this. 
Appearance. In Japan, some spiders are known to possess amazing supernatural powers. One of these is the Jorogumo, known as the Golden Orb Weaver in English. The Jorogumo is the most well-known of the arachnid yokai, Y-O-K-A-I, and found all over the Japanese archipelago except for the northern island of Hokkaido, H-O-K-K-A-I-D-O. Their body size averages between 2 to 3 centimeters long, but they can grow much larger. Some are massive enough to catch and eat small birds, like Kelly was saying, right? They'll, they'll eat even mammals and birds and fish and things like this, right? But check it out. This is the supernatural power version of the Jorogumo. Renowned for their size, their vividly beautiful colors, and the large and strong webs they weave, the beautiful Jorogumo are also famous for the cruel destruction they wreak on young men. Uh, written with the modern kanji, their name means entangling bride. However, these characters were added much later to cover up the original meaning of Jorogumo, whore spider. Uh, so the behavior says they live, uh, the Jorogumo live solitary lives, both as spiders and as yokai. When a golden orb weaver reaches 400 years of age, now check this out, this is where it gets good, 400 years old, it develops magical powers and begins to feed on human prey instead of insects. Uh, Jorogumo make their nests in caves, forests and or empty houses in towns possessing a cunning intelligence and a cold heart they see they see humans as nothing more than insects to feed on they are skillful deceivers and powerful shapeshifters usually appearing as young sexy and stunningly beautiful women uh, Jorogumo's favorite prey are young, handsome men looking for love or other favors. Wink, wink. When a Jorogumo spots a man she desires, she lures him into her home with promises of affection. He is never seen again. Jorogumo spin silk threads strong enough to ensnare a grown man so that he cannot escape. They also have the powerful venom that can slowly weaken a man day by day, allowing the spider to savor her victim's long and painful death. Jorogumo can control other lesser spiders, even employing fire-breathing spiders to burn down the homes of any suspicious meddlers. Uh-oh. That's what Daryl was saying. Uh, they are such skillful predators that a Jorogumo can operate like this for years and years, even in the middle of a busy city, piling up hundreds of desiccated skeletons of foolish young men. And there you go. I find it interesting. This is from uh, yokai.com. I'm going to link this if you guys want to check it out. And uh, <laughs> what's up, APOC? I don't like this story, Mike. <laughs> A different bedtime story. There you go. If you want to read that, uh, <laughs> you can have your... Uh, there you go. Yep. Nope. Uh, sorry. Yeah, there's your there's your bedtime story. If it's going to give you a, uh, a uh, nightmare, well, um, you're welcome. <laughs> you're definitely welcome. All right. So, uh, again, third hour is for you. What do you guys think? Uh, you got uh, comments on this Jorogumo? And uh, what is this? And so this, again, this Joro spider that was actually invading the East Coast, right? Uh, floating in the wind and uh, as hatchlings, of course, not as spiders the size of your palm. Uh, they they are uh, all over the East Coast now. Again, they started in Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, somewhere right in there. And they ended up uh, sort of all the way up the eastern seaboard, they said. So um, <laughs> that's uh, 
uh, that's what's going on. So the Jorogumo is this sort of ancient demon spider. Uh, once they reach 400 years old, again, they gain uh, supernatural powers and uh, pretty good stuff. I don't know your thoughts on this. So I thought it was fascinating that this is where the actual name comes from, the Joro spider, J-O-R-O. And uh, of course, it's it's Japanese, and they uh, you know don't uh, uh, we don't pronounce Japanese well because that's just the way we are, and <laughs> uh, you can't speak all the languages, can you? And uh, so I don't know. So what's your thought on that? Like we've talked about sort of the idea of like spider hybrid, uh, this sort of thing, but in this case, right, we're talking about a trickster spirit, right? Where this is again, this is uh, very much like the Skinwalker things like this, like they've described. Excuse me, uh, is that uh, they end up with uh, these shapeshifters, right? And the shapeshifters, of course, uh, you different forms to lure people in or scare people away or whatever it is they want as this sort of archetype of the trickster spirit so pretty good stuff i don't know this uh, i thought it was pretty fascinating that not only do we have a couple of um, spider um, stories here with the jorogumo but then also that uh, story of arachne and athena and the, the weaving of the uh, the web there so uh, pretty good stuff and how the first spider was created uh, back as back as far as ancient Greece and their their mythology is concerned. So um, yeah, Loki, Loki too. I, I did uh, come across that looking for some spiders. There's, there's some really good um, actual websites I came across as well. Uh, so there's Arachne. What's what's this good one? Um, hold on, there's a really good one here. It's called uh, GodChecker.com. GodChecker. This is pretty cool. It's got um, it's got all kinds of stuff you can look up. So in uh, Aztec mythology, by the way, you think I you think I don't go deep? I go deep in this, guys. <laughs> I was looking. So Aztec mythology, they've got a spider, uh, an unnamed, uh, unknown goddess, right? And they think that her, they think her name is Teotihuacan, just like uh, just like the the pyramid, right? Uh, she comes to you on speculation. This is straight from the Aztec mythology God Checker website. Her real name is unknown, and her identical likenesses come from murals and carvings found at Tepantitla from some classic period. The name Teotihuacan is bandied about by scholars, but what do they know? It is self-inflicted knowledge, or have they drunk from the fountain of knowledge? Veering towards the iguana of ignorance ourselves, we take nothing for granted. Although a nice fat research grant could work wonders. <laughs> so what we are left with is a well-decked-out spiderish deity surrounded at times by small figures engaged in matters of jujolity amidst blossoms and butterflies. Is this her lunch? And I don't know who the hell wrote this. I guess uh, Peter J. Allen and uh, Chaz Saunders. They need some editing help. But uh, <laughs> the Iguana of Ignorance. <laughs> iguana of Ignorance. But uh, yeah, there's a lot here, right? Uh, unknown spider goddesses. And you see the uh, the depiction over here on the right side. Pretty wild stuff. Uh, what else is there? Let's see. Uh, gone down through uh, mythical spiders here. We got uh, Jorogumo, of course, we just talked about. Anansi from the West African tribes. We talked about that one last time. Uh, there's the spider grandmother from the Hopi Native American uh, uh, mythology and uh, belief system. And uh, Arachne, of course, we talked about that tonight. It's it's pretty it's pretty crazy here. It's pretty crazy here um, that uh, there's a lot of these sort of ideas that um, – where it begins is uh, with spiders weaving webs. And uh, <laughs> you tell me, love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, do you, do, we won't do spiders for a while. Just uh, they were in the news with all this. And I thought it was uh, appropriate to do the spiders because we actually have this um, 
this uh, this uh, thinking webs sort of situation. So back to that. I don't know. Uh, what do you guys think? You think it is too much the idea of em- embodied cognition and extended mind thesis? Let's read some of this too as well. So you guys, uh, uh, Mike, you woven this one tight. What's up, Bernays? Here we go. Uh, so in philosophy of mind, the extended mind thesis says that the mind does not exclusively reside in the brain or even the body, but extends into the physical world. The extended mind theory proposes that some objects in the external environment can be part of a cognitive process and in that way function as extensions of the mind itself. Examples of such objects are written calculations, a diary or a PC, the computer, right? In general, it concerns objects that store information. The extended mind thesis considers the mind to encompass every level of cognition, including a physical level. So the extended mind thesis was proposed by Andy Clark and David Chalmers in the extended mind, written in 1998. They described the idea as an active externalism based on the active role of the environment in driving cognitive processes. Uh, For the matter of personal identity, the extended mind thesis has the implication that some parts of a person's identity can be determined by their environment. You see what's going on here? You see what I'm talking about? Now, and not only that, so if we're talking about, again, uh, in in terms of uh, written calculations, a diary, or a personal computer, that's kind of what I was uh, alluding to earlier, that this extended mind thesis means that we are not just, uh, well, us, uh, we are also the things around us. And uh, interesting how that symmetry kind of uh, is or is not, and... uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Pretty wild stuff. So uh, what are your thoughts on this? Extended Mind Thesis, 702-957-1037. I see you there, Matt. Let's go to Matt in California. Welcome to Troubled Minds, my friend. How are you? Hey, what's up, Mike? Ah, just chilling, man. I'm talking about crazy shit per usual. <laughs> once <laughs> once the sun goes down, uh, Troubled Minds comes up, talks about crazy shit. Do you know? What do you think about this? Uh, the thinking webs and uh, the spider mythologies and all the rest? Yeah, I think, well, at first I think, I want to say that I think we need to find a balance between the spiritual and the mundane. That's like the goal. And right now, we're way out of whack. Where, you know, everyone's more focused on the material world. And so I was talking about these kind of things like auras and chakras and stuff. But something that um, Kelly brought up that I was really interested in, he was talking about the Native Americans, the hares. And how when uh, something like that, they went to, they went into battle. They wanted them to like go to a, a war to fight because they knew the land better. And then, but they went into the army and they shaved their head. And then all of a sudden, they didn't, they didn't have that like power, that feel. So like your hair is like an extension of your body. It has like how people were saying like put your feelers out. So your body hair has that, and that's the same thing with, like, when you see a ghost or when you're on a paranormal situation, your hair stands up on your arms or your, in your back of your neck. And, uh, and then also, too, with the hair is, like, weaving, like, braiding your hair. Um, like, the Native Americans and the indigenous people, they, there's, like, there's something there in that power in that um, braiding their hair. They were, like, putting the spell into their hair as they're weaving it and then when you un- you know when you take your hair down it's releasing the spell and so i read a thing about um if you braid your hair 
at night before you go to bed, your hair will grow longer because it, um, it's like, I don't know how it's straight. And so I learned how to, I was learning how to braid people's hair. And, uh, when I tried to braid my own hair, it's, I got like really frustrated because it's not, it's difficult to braid your own hair. So I started braiding other people's hair and I figured when I, so I figured it out, I started to be, I started like relax and be more calm. And it is kind of like you're weaving, like weaving like the spider web, weaving into someone if you're braiding their hair. But that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's interesting. I, 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 again, you, you know me, you see, you see me. I I don't have I've never <laughs> had long hair. It it can grow long. It just uh it becomes um you know, what a tangled web we weave, right? So I've never liked it long. <laughs> Though I could, I could. I just uh it, it uh it's a pain in the ass sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely. It, you have to take care of it. <laughs> yeah, and I have that, that, like I, a pet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and again, I, I don't have patience for that shit. Uh, but but uh, I have heard the thing you described as a, like hair, uh, like a longer hair is sort of that antenna. I think I think that was part of the the Vril Society, right? I think that came up as some of the mediums, uh, at least the initial one that that brought up the Vril Society and that idea. Uh, they what part of what their you know that religion or whatever you want to call it was was that they had to have super long hair because they determined exactly like you're describing it was sort of like an antenna it was a way to sort of reach out and contact uh, as like more uh, very much like like a, like this idea of a spider web would be right I mean and so you can say our hair is alive clearly it's growing but then once you pluck a hair out and throw it on the ground is it still right and that would sort of be like a spider web wouldn't it yeah, just putting it together to the spider web, because I also like we were talking about like your consciousness being outside your body, and I believe in what I was saying with like Eastern mysticism, and they talk about auras and chakras, and ex- what you're saying, like the extension of your body, your energy, that's what that is called the aura, and so I guess how I say it was, just imagine, you know how people say. Like stay out of my bubble, or stay, and it's funny six feet. Yeah. <laughs> so just imagine, just imagine, just imagine, uh, you know, an egg shape around you, uh, all around your body, up and down, and that's your aura, your energy. It goes out aside of your body. You have different layers, uh, and so that's your aura. You can feel people's aura, and that's what I was talking about. Like you walk into a room, you know, or you, you know, feel people. Um, and oh, another good analogy is if you ever watch the cartoon Dragon Ball Z, that shows you like that's exactly what it looks like the aura, it's like uh, energy around you. And uh, just studying this kind of stuff, I learned it to be able to feel auras and also like eventually learn to see auras. Uh, can I talk about that? Yeah, of course, of course, we got plenty of time going. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, definitely. Thank you for uh, asking. Thank you for asking. But definitely, go ahead. Because it, it does go to the how are you saying the spider's web, you know, is a part of them. So uh, we we're talking about auras. So if you want to see aura, it's weird because you think it's light. You want a black, like a dark background, but actually you want to have a white background. So like a white wall, or like put up a sheet, a white sheet, and then uh, you have your partner. And then you stare at the person, you look at their nose, the tip of their nose. You stare there for a while. You kind of do like, um, you remember those things, those, um, 
magic eye where you like hold the book up to your face and then you cross your eyes and then you pull the book away to see like you cross your eyes and yes. then you look towards <laughs> you look towards um like kind of use your peripheral vision don't move your eyes but use your peripheral vision to look more towards their um like their ear and their shoulder areas and that's how i learned where i would see my own aura in the mirror um like around my ear shoulder areas and it's like a white light and then from there you can kind of once you once you practice enough you can figure that out and you can see auras around a lot of people and then also practicing on people like when you're at a um like say you're at like a concert or like a stadium where you're sitting in a row and you're facing the stage and people are in front of you try to focus and see, see if you can see their auras like and they're not staring at them as you're staring at their back <laughs> uh, that's how i practiced and then i got to the point where i was able to see I have to focus it, but there's sometimes I can and sometimes I can't, but I see people's aura. And so a story I have is that, um, there's, uh, I went to this bar and there's the bartender, a new bartender there and her, like when I saw her, I saw her aura and her, her light around her. It was, it wasn't the light, the colors, it was the pattern. It was like jagged, like rigid. And I've never seen that before. I was like, well, that's kind of weird. And so got to know her and got to talking to her and come to find out that um, like she was in a car accident and that she was like, they told her that she wasn't going to walk again. But then she ended up, you know, breaking that and, and walking again. And so I'm wondering if like, if I was seeing like her damage inside of her aura, that was kind of weird. Yeah, that's pretty wild. So like so like a, you were actually able to perceive a fractured aura. That's yeah. that's, that's wild, man. Wow. Uh so so I, I was going to ask you before it was the question on my mind, but you actually answered it before I could ask it. And and what I was thinking is so you do have to focus. It's not something that you just you can just like look around a crowded room and be like, you know, blue, green, orange, <laughs> jagged, you know, this that the other thing. You do actually have to maybe enter some sort of meditative state to be able to see this, right? Yeah, it is crossing your arms and, and uh, again, you know, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? If it's something you want to, if it's something you want to do, uh, I can help you and, and you know where to find me. Um, see auras and, and do it. It's, it's Eastern mysticism and, it, and like I said, we need to bring a balance, you know, of spirituality and mundane. Uh, and so that's why I like to talk about this kind of stuff. So thank you for talking about this. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Th th thank you for talking about it with us. Um, so, okay. So then uh, clearly, you know, way more about auras than I do. I've always been fascinated with this. Cause like I said, uh, way back when I was young, somebody told me they were like, you have a blue aura. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, uh, cool. Right. Super cool. Uh, but is there a difference between like colors? Is there like uh, can you tell particular things about people from that aura can you can you maybe explain that process of colors and how i don't know can you would you tell intention what do you what do you how can you is is it anything other than just a light how about that um i think it changes based on your mood kind of like a mood ring and so when i see like like i said i don't see colors i see i see a shimmer like a shimmering light so I'm not, I don't see like colors. It's like a white shimmering light. And, but there is people, yeah, that say your colors and it goes off your chakras. 
And if that's a study, you have to study each chakra is a different color and it means different things. Okay, so you can go through all the colors, um, but the, and you have to research it to learn what each color means. Uh, so I guess it is like a like a mood ring thing. But uh, let's see what uh, what did I say. Okay, so there's also this thing, and we're going to talk about auras. We're talking about um, there's a thing called Kulian photography, and uh, it's basically it's a picture of your aura. I've heard, and of I was that. like, okay, okay, this this is interesting. I was at a fair, and there was a Kulian photography there. It's like, okay, it's cool. Let's, let's go check this out. And I was like, well, if it's if it's BS, you know, it's only twenty bucks. So I'm not worried about it. So I went and, uh, you know, you talk to the lady, your picture taken. She prints it out on like a um, Polaroid. And I didn't know. And I paid her the 20 bucks. And I didn't know that she was going to read my aura in the picture. And so she told me, she said, she was like looking at my picture and she's like, oh, I see that. And she was said, because, um, so like, it's like layers, like a tight layer around my head around my body was like purples and she says so uh, this is like psychic power psychic abilities but on the outside of like the larger part of my auras was like oranges and golds and yellows and she said uh this means this is like creative creations things and she told me something that's really interesting to me she said when you're not creating something you're not happy and that is like really deep personal to me and then what's also interesting is she said, she said, um, there's three orbs, one on top of my head and one over each shoulder. And she said that, um, I have three different guard, kind of like guardian angel spirits watching over me. And I thought that was super interesting because I've done stuff like this and, and come to find out, um, I've met three different like spirit guides in my life. And I thought that was kind of cool. She like read my she like read my aura in my in the picture, and it actually was was pretty spot on. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, she was totally spot on. I'll share that picture. I have to find it, but I'll share that picture to you guys eventually. Right on. So you're speaking to me with the uh, if you're not creating <laughs> stuff, you're not happy, right? And speaking of creating stuff, I got a picture here from Matt that he drew. I'll share this from time to time. I got it. Uh, I got it actually on. Uh, on uh, pinned in the discord and this is what i mean like this is like, like we inspire each other right you drew this little picture of the alien and the troubled mind sign and like he's hitchhiking but the thing crashed i mean it's brilliant and this is if, clearly if you're not creating something you're not happy i love it man i love that notion because uh i feel it <laughs> it gets me in the feels bro yeah i uh, didn't think i was gonna tell that story but yeah <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, so, so, it, so there is something then to the colors. It's uh, you can look this stuff up and maybe determine uh, based on mood ring type stuff like you described. But the colors do actually mean something. It's not uh, something as simple as you know, uh, like you said. You 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 usually just see a light, but uh, when you do this photography, the colors maybe jump out and you can uh, clearly get a reading. I mean, that's that's pretty wild that she was spot on about you from a an aura reading, right? That's that's nuts. Yeah, and then uh, of course got my mom to go do it, and my mom because my mom was like, "Oh, I want to do this too," so I got her to go do it, and uh, her aura is completely blue, like dark blues, light blues, all the blues. And I was like, that's kind of weird. And then I didn't realize to go home and it's like, well, it's funny. We live in a blue house with blue carpet and a blue fence and we have a blue car. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I was like, 
That's what? funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, uh, I guess it's not a coincidence, huh? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah, like I said, somebody said to me, but like just run quite randomly when I was a young man, it was like I was a teenager, and somebody just like was like to me, was like, ah, "You've got a blue aura," and I was just like. You were super <laughs> weird. <laughs> you were really weird. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't think when you think of people like this, like that's so weird. Just if you're interested in it, go look it up. Yeah, I will. It's a thing out there. There's there's a lot there. Yeah, well, I think at some point we have to do a show on that, on auras and maybe like a energy, maybe energy emanating from us, uh, whether it's, again, like you said, a mood ring or whether it's, a, like I said, or all blue most of the time, like your mother there. Who knows? I have no freaking idea, but I'd love to love to learn about it, love to talk about it. So, as always, I yeah, appreciate maybe, Go ahead, go ahead. Maybe I can be a part of that. Yeah, of course. Um, of course. I, di- I, didn't mean, I didn't mean to take it there, but where I'm going back to is the spider... It is like an extension of its body. That's kind of like we have that too. We have, I think everything alive has an aura. So even the spider has an aura. But, and then that's weird how the, you were talking about how the web is connected and how they can communicate through it. There's all, there's like crazy stuff there. So that's, I'm trying to bring a more of a spiritual level to it. Uh, but going back to spiders, sorry. Yeah, no, 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 you're good. Like, uh, like it's brilliant actually. And that's why we do it like this. Cause like, you're going to see things in this conversation. I didn't. And now, now that you brought it up, I'm like, yeah, smack my forehead. I should, I should have thought of this and should have brought this up because it is smack dab in this. What if that aura for, for the spider, whatever that energy is, is sort of an extended in their web itself and whether we can detect that or not one way or the other maybe that's what we're seeing you know it's uh it's wild it's it's a great thought it's an absolutely great thought like i said uh, and this is you know you already know you're not uh, you're not new here that's why we do it this way it's just because we're going to point out things to each other that are like oh shit yeah maybe that too you know maybe there's something to that now that's what this is about fantastic shit as always matt you're the best bro what else you got for us um, that's going to be all Thanks, Mike. Okay. You're the best. Matt in California. Uh, thanks for listening. Tell uh, Lacey I said hello. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a fantastic evening. Good night. Thanks, Matt. Uh, 702-957-1037. Good stuff you brought up there about the auras. And uh, I hadn't actually considered that, but it seems it seems like uh, I should have. I was just thinking a little bit deeper about it. So what happens, right? You try and consider all the things, and you miss so many of them. Because, again, it's only little old me. It's only little old me. 702-957-1037. Let's go back to Jennifer in uh, Missouri. Welcome to Troubled Minds. What's going on? Yeah, hi. And, well, it does. It brings up a lot more things. Like, if you think about the spider excreting out the web and then using it as a sensory thing, and if you think about, like, everything everybody was afraid about with witchcraft and everything, that if they, if a sorcerer should get a hold of your hair or your nail clippings or your blood or anything else, that they can do stuff to you from a distance is what everybody was afraid about, you know? And it makes sense that if we're magnetized in a way like electromagnetic and everything we have on us has a bit of a charge to it. And even if that extends out into like, if you've noticed, if you ever have something of somebody's that you cared about, like a, a grandparent or something that may give you something, you can kind of feel you can, it's not just the memory of it. I mean, it's actually everything about it feels like them. And there are people who talk about this stuff all the time that, you know, if they bring in an object from somebody's house or something, that it, there's a weird feeling to it. And they didn't even know the person, but it's like they're picking up on 
who the person was or what their personality was like. And the same thing with that, like, extension with voodoo and witchcraft and stuff. Like, from afar, you're being affected because they have a piece of you in a way. Like, they used to say that, like, if you cut somebody's hair and you throw it out in the yard and the birds make a nest with it, they'll go crazy. Like, the person will go crazy. I've heard that before. And then, too, with the aura that Matt was talking about, what's interesting about, I think what's really interesting about that is that people who live in, like, I've heard this said before, that people who live in smaller communities where they're more spread out, that they're, it may just be a comfort thing, but they feel very comfortable as long as they're not too close to other, like, not, you know, if they move to a city, for example, where everybody has a tighter space, like, they can get really up close to each other and it doesn't bother them. But people who live in communities that are more spread out and sprawling, they feel a lot more uncomfortable, like you're too close. Like they have like a personal bubble thing. And so like in cities where people are forced to be kind of really tight, close to each other, they don't notice it as much. But people who are used to being kind of farther away from each other, it makes them extremely uncomfortable and edgy. They have to stand up and like get away from the situation. So I wonder if it's something like something to do with that too. But yeah, it brings up all kinds of interesting ideas as far as the, you know, the web being an extension and our own bodily things like fingernail clippings and like hair, like Matt mentioned, that even from a great distance, like say a hundred miles, if somebody had a piece of you, you know, that's the fear that everyone was afraid of with the whole sorcery thing. So yeah, there might be something to that. It's like the voodoo dolls, right? Sure. You, you got to have hair and, and like a, a piece of their clothing yeah. and something like this, and you can uh, stick the doll and break your back type of thing. That's what they say. That's what but they yeah. say. <laughs> I think that could be something to do with that. Makes sense. Yeah, it does. I, I, I've never actually <laughs> yeah, I heard know, never actually heard the thing it. with the... Uh, okay, uh, I appreciate it. Just real quick before you go, I'd never actually heard the thing with the... Uh, if the bird got a piece of your hair and made a nest with it, they would go crazy. That's an interesting thought there. So it is yeah. maybe somehow, some yeah, way, a, the energy's emanating through. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. That's pretty wild. Never heard that. They tangle, and then the tangling of the hair, too. Like that the fairies will tangle up your hair at night and, like, cause you, like, they would braid, like, the old ladies would, the old grannies would, like, braid their hair to keep it from getting tangled, but also because, like, if the fairies were to, like, make a rat's nest in your hair, it would cause you all kinds of, like, distress. Besides just having to comb it out, I'm sure. <laughs> but, right. But yeah, that's, that's enough to stress for me. That. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Great stuff right. as always, Jennifer. I'll get off here. Appreciate Bye. the phone call. Thank you very much. There you go. Jennifer in Missouri. Uh, again, she's got a YouTube channel. Check it out. A link in the description. Uh, I mean, look, this, this is, again, why we do it in this format. Like I said, uh, all the clumsy, meandering uh, imperfections of the ums and the ahs and me trying to get my thoughts together and try and, you know, try and give a coherent narrative of all this. Yeah, all that's acceptable to me because it's, uh, one, people aren't perfect and I'm okay with that. Number two, it's exactly for this reason. So we can get together and we can talk about these things. So, so we can actually start, you notice, right, as, as time goes, somebody brings up something and then suddenly there's this whole other train of thought that kind of comes with it and people kind of hop in and want to, uh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, but also that and this the other thing. And, 
Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's it's a fantastic idea, and that's that's exactly why we do this. And thank you again to all the amazing phone calls tonight. It uh, it, it definitely does uh, make my world go round. And uh, like I said, and I mean it, saving my ass on a nightly basis. So I appreciate you guys very much for a uh, one hanging on every word, uh, following even some uh, some broken narratives sometimes. Uh, again, like I said, nobody's perfect, and uh, just uh, just trying to consider things we haven't considered before. I'm going to keep learning. I'm going to keep trying to learn new things every day. And that's that's actually I want I wanted to point out too that. Uh, Apoc said it at the end of last night. She's like, Mike seems really excited about this reverse speech thing, right? And you know why? It's because I learned something new. It's like it's it's like that, you know? It's like, okay, so not only did I learn that there might be something to that whole reverse speech thing, but also on top of that, uh, that I learned something new technologically. And I now know how to get the, the audio file, the MP3 or whatever, and reverse it in my the software that I use. So that particular thing, right? Like I, you see, I get, uh, I've been watching too much uh, Indiana Jones uh, but, uh, you know, I get giddy as a schoolboy when I learn something new sometimes because it sort of opens up all of this whole just new ideas that you hadn't even considered yet. And uh, there you go. There you go. Uh, let's see. What's up? Uh, Danny wants to know. I wonder what tomorrow's show will be. I didn't make it in time for today's calls. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Do you have an idea? <laughs> if you have an idea, I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear. I, I uh, usually don't uh, don't typically have the shows uh, uh, going until the idea. Uh, tonight I did because I was, uh, like I said, this has been weeks and kind of in the making. Uh, but uh, the idea of the, the spider web is an extension of the spider itself. But um, what about, uh, what about, I don't know. Who knows? I think we got to put auras on the list for sure. Looking into some of that, uh, that aura stuff because uh, I think that's uh, that's pretty hot. I think that uh, I'd, I'd like I'd love to love to learn about what that what those colors do mean. What uh, back back to when I was a teen a young teen and somebody said ah you got a blue aura. I was like oh, okay oh whoa. Whoa, back up, back up. You're right. I don't know. I don't know. What does that mean? I have no no idea. But uh, again, you guys you guys all know you're invited to be on the show. And if you have ideas, I'd love to hear them because uh, even if it's not new, um, or, or sorry, if it's if it's new to me, that's all that matters. You know, like I want to I want to learn about these things. I want to uh, not just learn about them myself, but then also discuss them with you because as you see, it sort of enriches the entire thing, and uh, that's what it's all about. Uh, Vicky, what's up? Says Joro spiders are not dangerous. They are in Georgia, not all over. They are palm size. Yep, the size of your palm, so they can be very large. They can be very large, uh, not the size of a Volkswagen, Ronald. Damn it, Ronald! But uh, the size of your palm, which is kind of a big ass spider, if you ask me. I mean, you know, it's not quite a uh, you know, Volkswagen, but it's, it's definitely large enough to get your attention if one walks up on you and stares at you sideways. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Uh, as we get down here, I know we got some uh, some folks in the chat that are still here uh we got uh, kelly and uh, daryl and matt uh, anything you guys want to add kelly if you're still there before we finish this up just want to give these guys a chance at a last word they've been uh, been patiently waiting in there and uh if not that's cool just want to make sure we share the share the airwaves here but uh, no no kelly uh what about uh, daryl you still there negative Negative. I'm still here. Sorry about that. That's okay. Hey, um, I, I snuck up on you. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Go right ahead. I was thinking that poem that you read, um, a weird poem about the spider that that guy read, it sounded a lot like that Heaven's Gate guy on Marshall Applegate, Applewhite, what was his name? Applewhite, I think, yeah. 
Yeah, just just saying. <laughs> just yeah, saying. I, I can. Uh, it's Walt Whitman, though, so I mean, it's hard to go wrong with that guy. But yeah, yeah, there's some some pretty interesting things that uh, some correlations to this whole spider bit. I do like how it kind of came all the way back around, and Matt Matt jumped in with the uh, uh, the auras and how maybe that's exactly what's going on. We just are, are kind of too dense as people to really appreciate it or quantify it, right? And maybe maybe yeah. the spiders have an aura, and maybe it extends to their web, and that that would explain quite a lot of things. As, as we discussed them tonight, huh? Exactly, exactly. Plus, I mean, think about how strong those webs are. I mean, the, the strength of the um, silk apparently is like, I don't know. Or maybe it's not that strong. I'm not sure. No, it is. For the size, they say it's stronger than a steel cable. So, like, if we were able right. to create, for, for the, the scale, it's incredibly strong. And uh, that's, that's right. the craziest part. And they're creating it organically. Like, think about that. Right. Like, stronger than a steel cable organically yeah that's not exactly yeah. even something about bugs wings um someone was saying um they were making like a, a the first planes were made out of the wings of, of bugs or butterflies or something like that and um i don't know metamorphosis i don't know just the things with even um, um insects are so interesting and spiders are insects after all but um I don't know. It's almost like they're um, some like cannibals. <laughs> well, they Never. are cannibals if they eat their they eat their mates. You know, when you think about it. Yeah. Um, Hell yeah. That's uh that's that's uh the 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 the, uh, the Black Widow, right? The, the, the what was the movie? It had uh, what was what was the actress in that movie? The Black Widow. Was that? Oh uh, yeah, right, right, right. Um, I can't who remember. What was that? Was it? Was uh, a good movie. That's a good I'm thinking one more thing about spiders, spiders, tarantulas, and lobsters. There's something similar to like the sea, the sea lobster and the, and a tarantula. I think the, the they're all good eating. <laughs> I know that. I think you can eat the meat of a spider if it's like one of those bigger ones. Or am I thinking of another creature? I'm not sure. Crabs, spiders. I mean, are, like are crabs some sort of a spider or are lobsters some sort of a spider? Uh, you know, they evolve out of something out of the water, or vice versa. Yeah, you know what's interesting too. So, so you're you're bringing up uh, some other stuff that's actually in this article. This this article, the thoughts of a spider web. So, if you read down this oh. whole thing, I'm going to link it back real quick in the chat if you guys want to check it out. It's a very long read. I I do encourage you to check it out if you're interested in this idea of uh, the the thoughts of a spider web. Here we go, linking it in the chat. Right. But uh, if you if you go down and kind of near the middle of this article, they're talking about a uh, an octopus. So, so let's see. Uh, parallel to the extended cognition of the of what uh, Japaisu is the the doctor here sees in spiders, researchers have been gathering examples from elsewhere in the animal kingdom that seem to show a related concept called embodied cognition, where cognitive tasks sprawl outside of the brain and into the body. Perhaps the prime example is another eight-legged invertebrate. Octopuses are famously smart, but their central brain is only a small part of their nervous system. Two-thirds of the roughly 500 million neurons in an octopus are found in its arms. So two-thirds of the neurons you would expect to find in a brain are actually found in the arms of the octopus. So so interesting, you brought up the, uh, the, the lobster there and spiders and all the rest of this. But yeah, uh, there is a correlation here to not just, um, you know, the eight, maybe the eight legs. When I talked to Rohan about this a ways back, he said maybe there's uh, something to this. Uh, maybe some uh, gematria type stuff with uh, you know the eight legs, the eight sideways is infinity, uh, spiders and octopus, these spiral arms of a galaxy. 
Yeah, he was talking about it in terms of that. But interesting that you brought it up to, to lobsters. And, and in this article itself, they're talking about octopus you know, with the eight, the eight legs and two-thirds of their neurons are actually located in their arms, not in their central nervous brain system. So it seems interesting. Seems interesting. Yeah. I was Wild. thinking about octopus also when you brought it up, um, just because of the daddy long legs and the, uh, you know, the, so many legs of the spider, they're like a multi-legged creature. So are centipedes, you know, but what other creatures really have like more than one, you know, more than two appendages or four appendages, whatever, um, or five of them, I don't know. I'm just saying that they're, they're useful um, besides, you know, a man or something. I don't know, useful appendages that are, um, you know, in, that they use um, successfully. I mean, there's not that many multi, multi-legged um Creatures that I'm thinking of. The octopus is, you know, pretty unique there. And they're both very special in the way that they're they're kind of like at the head of their the top of their food chain. I think pretty much, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll... And how did they get here? How did they get here? Did they come from another planet? Like they're so weird, you know. They get here on a, on a speck of dust or some space, uh, you know, some kind of meteor. Maybe they survived a, an interplanetary, you know, thing. Exactly. Back to we, like the the octopus show we did, like the 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 arms right. of the galaxy sort of seeding the, uh, the 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 galaxy with its own uh, progeny that happened to just be exactly. the octopi. Yeah, crazy stuff. Right. Uh, yeah, well, real quick while we got you here too, uh, what do you know about auras? That, uh, what are you tracking? What Matt said? Can you see them? Uh, do you know anything about them? Or are you like me, where you're like, what, <laughs> what? <laughs> I wish I was that sensitive that I could see somebody's aura um, or feel feel their aura. But I think we have a sometimes we have a second sense of um, you know when we get like um, chills or you get kind of you know your hair stands up on your arms or you get goosebumps. I wonder if that's something to do with an aura. You know, even if you're not sensitive to seeing other auras. But um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it would be nice to be that sensitive to see some somebody's aura. Yeah, I agree. I kiss agree. My, so, Frank Zappa said, "Kiss my aura, Dora." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a Frank Zappa fan, and only because he said that. Uh, well, I don't know enough about him. I don't know enough about his music. Uh, I know he was a a, a uh, innovator in uh, crazy sounds. <laughs> I do know that. Oh, he said some crazy things. Uh, I'll I'll think of a few later. But uh, yeah, that was one of them. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. All right, is that so a Pierce Poncho, or is that a uh, is that a oh I forget is that a real Poncho or a Sears Poncho? Well, anyway, <laughs> you have to listen to Frank and drop some acid or something to appreciate anything. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. That's totally true. Uh, all right, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for sticking in. Thanks for the amazing phone call as always, and uh, thanks for popping in here at the end. Uh, you got you got an outro for us, or are you just chilling? You can just chill. It's cool. I was um, just thinking. I was really appreciative of what um, um, Matt said earlier. Was it Matt that said, um, "Thank you for having these shows," and um, that was really nice what he said, and uh, I've, I I I agree with him. <laughs> Thank you. And, and I agree with him as well. And also back at all of you, because again, I, I'm reading all the chat as we go. A lot of the ideas I get. So again, like I said, try and like go with a train of thought, read all the chat rooms and get ideas from the chat and try and incorporate them into the show as you go and not 
sound like an asshole. <laughs> it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. So I appreciate it. I, I'm reading all the chat. I see. I do see you guys out there. So thank you for uh, thanks for lurking. Thanks for chatting. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all the amazing phone calls. It doesn't make my world go around. And that includes you, of course, Daryl. Thank you so much for being part of this. And uh, the conversation, like I always say, goes two ways. It's uh, we're, we're teaching each other things, uh, at least uh, giving us things to look into. And that I think that's the important part. So uh, great stuff as always. You're the best. Thank you, thank you. All right, let's get the hell out of here. Uh, so, uh, anything else, Matt? Well, we got you on. I don't know if he bounced or if he's still here. He's still there. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say to finish this off. The insect world is fascinating and terrifying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, talk about uh, so Anne Rice actually called it the Savage Garden, right? That was that was her uh, term yeah. that she always used, and not not really to describe uh, sort of the insect world, but just as like a uh, just like it sounds. This is a Savage Garden, right? Just shit sh- shenanigans goes down. That's just like mind blowing. You're like, what in the world? Like if, if you really pay attention and think in terms of like people terms and see like the insect wars that go on. Holy shit, bro! You ain't kidding. You ain't kidding. There's some sick stuff going on. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah. Go ahead. About animals and like, like kid again. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I appreciate it, my man, uh, Matt in California. Good stuff, good stuff. Thanks for uh, just seeding the next conversation. Appreciate that as well. And I think Kelly popped back in for a sec. I saw him in me unmute. Are you there? You got a final thought for us, Kelly? I guess. Oh yeah. Hey, Agree, um, Thank you. Just real quick with uh, Matt and you know, I, I like the thing he brought pretty crazy it, it's that that's a, another thing to, to think about as well too but another easy way there was a guy i, I was you know i, I kind of delved into that a little bit but um, because he lives in california i don't know how close he is to the beach but the guy was uh they said he said uh there was a test he ran and some of the stuff you know feel that sea ores he says the, the one of the easiest ways to see people's odors is going down to the beach, and because of the waves when they when they crash, and that like that mist that it creates, you know, it's kind of it's it's kind of it is kind of like a white like the like a white wall, like Matt was saying. But yeah, it, it because the aura is glistening off of that, and it's easier to see, you know. And then the crash is causing a, a different aura as well. So when you have somebody's walking across it. It's like you can see their aura. It really stands out. So if you want to, I don't know, like I said, I don't know how close he is to the beach, but that's one way to see somebody's aura easier is what they say. But um, another thing, too, I just wanted to add, too, is like thinking about, you know, the human and, you know, the like hair extension and stuff, right? We were talking about that real quick with, you know, uh, the extension of the nerve. It's kind of like uh, we were talking real quick in the show is uh, um, like the story of Samson and Delilah, right? Samson lost his power, whatever he had when hair got chopped off. A little bit closer to the mic, if you can. You're cutting out, please. Yeah. Um, but the, the, his hair got chopped off. He was, uh, you know, he had um, he lost his power, right? Yes, I hear you. Lost his powers. Uh, I don't know the names again. Samson and who? Who was it? Samson and Delilah. Okay. I don't know the story. I don't know the story. There you go. Call me a knucklehead. I don't know that one. Yeah, he's uh, he just had like, you know, I, I guess godly power or whatever. But when 
you know, they couldn't defeat him, but until, you know, they said his hair was in his, the strength was in his hair. And as soon as they cut his hair off, he lost, his, like, all of his uh, his strength, his superhuman strength or whatever, his powers that he had. Interesting. That's a, have to add that to the list. Add that to the list of things to talk about. <laughs> pretty wild. Pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, this, it was a good uh, talk, man. I agree with everybody on that. So uh, we'll see you guys tonight. You guys have a good evening. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks a lot. Kelly in Colorado. All right, let's roll it. Let's roll it. Let's GTFO. Uh, so that you guys know the drill. If we, uh, if we, uh, we, we do this tomorrow, and we're going to do this tomorrow, Monday through Thursday at seven PM Pacific. We're going to, uh, God willing, we got tomorrow. The bad news is we're done. The good news is, God willing, we got tomorrow, and uh, that's what we're doing. So. Uh, if you got ideas on shows or uh, all the rest of this stuff, you can let me know. Let me know if you have uh, articles you think will be a seed idea for a show, or you want them to go on the news show. I do a news show on Monday and Friday on Twitch at 3 p.m., so it's kind of like quick hit news stuff. Uh, l- looking for ideas, guys, because again, right, as you see, I'm literally coming up with hopefully a novel idea every night, and it's uh, it's not as easy as it looks sometimes. So, uh, as you can tell, because not every show is the best, but 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 it's okay. I'm gonna keep trying keep punching i'm not worried about that i'm worried about uh just uh just having a good conversation and that's what this has always been about so uh there you go and samson every time you use your vacuum maybe <laughs> maybe what's up bz thanks again for finding us thanks for hanging out with us tonight uh, new new chatter new listener and uh again uh, because i know that people do come and go uh shout out to martin out there in sweden who's back to his regular work schedule apparently and listening to troubled minds on a night daily basis nightly basis whatever's going on over there and a uh, longtime friend of the show he was back at way back in the day when frank was here he used to be a, a super fan then and covid changed everything so anyway uh point being is that uh, you guys are invited to be on the show. I, I'm looking for your ideas, looking for some uh, great stuff like Matt said, kind of bringing up the auras. I think that's a perfect thing to uh, maybe segue into something else. If not, maybe tomorrow, maybe a future show. So it's definitely going on the list. Uh, again, uh, Kelly with the hair, cutting off the hair and the, the powers, that's a whole other thing. You could do something like that too. Like I said, those, those ideas, they turn into a lot because you can kind of look at some of these mythologies and find examples of these things. So uh, maybe there's something to it so i don't know you tell me as we finish thank you thank you again i I, like i said i can't thank you guys enough for being part of this being engaged thinking uh, just trying to use your own brain and just being part of this this whole thing whatever this is um uh, i'm calling it a wonderful thing is what i'm calling it Uh, others call it troubled minds and uh there it is so as you know my name is michael strange this is troubled minds we'll see you guys tomorrow god willing and the thing is this do you want to help the show there's Patreon, there's uh, there's Twitch you can sub up to, there's Rockfin you can sub up to, and of course, if you don't, you do like the show, don't have money to spend, or don't want to spend money, you don't like it that much, uh, please just listen to the podcast feed. There's hundreds of episodes back there on the podcast feed, there's gold in there, there's some really brilliant shows because of all the brilliant people that call into the show, so do check it out, and uh, if you listen to the podcast feed, it does send me a few cents every time you download one and listen, so uh, that's the easiest way, just go listen to some old shows on the podcast feed. Spotify or iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. So, as we finish, it goes like this. Be sure, be strong, be true. Thank you for listening. From our troubled minds to yours, have a great night.
It's finally time to start firing up the grill. From city to shore, Acme is everything you need to prep for this summer season. Download the Acme app to shop for this season's essentials any way you want. Open the Acme app, clip your deals, then order your items online. An experienced Acme associate will carefully select your groceries, bag your order, and bring it right to your car or deliver right to your door. Download the app or visit acmemarkets.com for program details.